Hey, welcome to the 321st episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, comic books, and uh, my favorite band. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Looking. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about uh, X-Men The Hidden Years by John Byrne. So this is like from the year 2000. I probably will be doing an Off My Mind episode soon. We'll see how, how far I go along. Um, sometimes talk about movies, just other random things that are not current in this uh, regular podcast. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so this week, I'm not, I, I feel maybe, kind of fingers crossed, might be a little lighter. Again, just still, still trying to, I don't know what, what, what happens to my week. I, I mean, I seriously, I, I know I make up excuses. I, I feel like I'm making up excuses, but it's just my, my time is just, it, I don't know where it all goes. And I don't seem to have like extra fun time to watch. Like anytime I watch something, it's, it's for the podcast. And there's like other stuff that I would like to watch, but I, I, I still can't. Uh, so the movie feature is going to be Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> and speaking of time, that was like three and a half hours to, to, to watch that. So you'll hear about that, the Martin Scorsese movie. Uh, we got uh, another episode of Loki, Chucky, and um, we're going to do some Rick and Morty. I, I debated doing that because it turned out, if, if, you, if you're a Rick and Morty fan, if you've been listening to this show, uh, I think I didn't do, the, I, I'm trying to remember, it was like the last two or three episodes because they split the last season, season six, and I think it was like right before Thanksgiving or something like that, they... It was just like such a, it wasn't even like halfway through the season. It was like three fourths away, it felt like. So then when it came back, for whatever reason, I missed the next episode and, and they sat on my DVR for the longest time. So I never covered those. So if you're like a diehard Rick and Morty fans and even it's, I'm sure that's not, not a problem. So I'm, I'm not going to talk about those last couple episodes from season six i did watch those so I, you know i did have to take the time and i know that sounds weird i did watch those and then we'll talk about season seven episode one that was uh last sunday so it's like that weird weekend kind of like almost a week behind t- type of situation so by the time you listen to this 702 is out you know how it goes other things so i, I started watching fall of the house of usher and this was, it, it, it's crazy, you know, just, I didn't even get through the first episode. And that is not because I didn't like it. It's just, you know, I start watching and say, like, okay, I, I have some downtime and start watching it. And then it's either late at night. I was like, oh, I should probably, you know, get some sleep since I got to get up and work tomorrow or whatever. So I didn't even get through the first episode. I, I am, I do like it. I, I'm from what little I've seen. I, I don't remember. I might be like halfway through the episode, if, if that. I don't even know if I, I've made it through a halfway. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, all, all I can say right now, I'll just t- t- you know touch on it. I haven't really gotten deep into the story. So, you know, to follow the House of Usher, the Ushers are, are this family. And, um, you know, it's like a rich, powerful family. And it's right from the beginning, family members are mysteriously getting killed or dying or something is going on. So it's like, what, what's the deal? You know, 
it, when something like that happens, you would think, oh, there must be some sort of conspiracy, you know, kill everyone off. And then it's like, you know, last man standings and inherit all the money type of thing. Uh, well, so what I like about the first episode, and I know this is weird I'm talking about this before I even get to the news, but, you know, uh, it's, it's you know, we, we kind of get this flashback where you see, like, the, the main dude and his, like, younger sister and, like, them growing up. And so that's the show that I'll, I'll try to watch, but it's going to have to be a lower priority because I'm not talking about it on the show. Same thing with Gen V. So while I, you know, I never finished the first episode, I kind of decided last week, I was like, well, it's just, it's not going to happen. And because it's not going to happen, that kind of pushed it off where I'm like, well, you know, I, I guess I'm not going to talk about it on, on the, the podcast. And that's unfortunate. You know, I, I feel like if it would have come out like maybe a week later or not a week later, but maybe like a couple weeks, you know, like if it's maybe if it started this week, I would be more it'd be easier for me to, to start, you know, stay current. So that's uh, the unfortunate. Um, yeah, so no, no Gen V, no Fall of the House of Usher. But there are some stuff coming, because Doom Patrol is supposed to be coming up. I feel like there's something else. Invincible, Scott Pilgrim. There's, there's other stuff coming up. As far as the news goes, there wasn't a whole lot of news, which is, is, is always kind of weird when it happens. Because, uh, you know, last week we had New York Comic Con, and maybe that that's why. I, I feel like... I don't know if I covered ever all the news from New York Comic Con because it didn't feel like it. Because usually there's there's a lot more. I mean, there's a lot of comic news, and you know, I, I talked about some of that. But as far as the news from this week, so speaking of Gen V, it looks like Gen V has been renewed for season two. What I would hope that I could start covering it with season two. And I know that might be weird if you're a consistent listener and then you're like, wait, you never talked about it. Now you're randomly... I'm sure it'll be fine. So we'll do that. So the, what's my call? Werewolf by Night. So Michael Giocchino, you know, the, the colorized version is coming. I don't think, I forgot, I forgot what, I think I said last week when it's coming out, but it's, it's not out yet, I don't think. He, he said that, you know, he has some ideas for like a continuation, like to, you know, to do more stuff. So they're kind of like crazy and nuts, but it's just, there's nothing set in stone. It's, it's like if the powers that be, if they're interested in doing more, he has some ideas, but it's 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 kind of just like wishful thinking at this point. So I don't know. I mean, it, based off the fact that they, you know, that they're if what, whatever they have to pay, whatever cost it was to colorize this, you know, they're willing to do that. So that must mean that there's some sort of interest in it, because. Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it it wasn't that costly of a thing. Like, oh, let's just colorize it. We could release it again and maybe get some more, you know, interest out of that. So we'll, we'll have to have to see. I don't know. Deadpool three, um, Hugh Jackman, and Rick and Morty. <laughs> Talk about that later. Uh, Deadpool three. Uh, shocking news. It's it's delayed. I don't even see how this is news. It's like, of course it's delayed. They talked about it being delayed, and they're saying, you know, even if. The like actors, sort of actor strike is not resolved. I thought like all the strikes were resolved. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago. The writer strike that has been resolved. Actor strike is not. It looked like it was going to be resolved. It looked like things were were going great, but then there was like they hit a wall again, and it's just I just I don't understand. And what I don't understand is is how so it and i know it's a matter of like who's who can be more, more stubborn so the 
the people in power that the higher ups are probably like, you know, yeah, why should we give up more, more money when, you know, we don't have to, and we can just sit back and wait. And, and then, you know, then they'll, they'll have to cave in at some point because they're not making any money. And I guess probably if you do look at, it, I mean, I don't understand how exactly how it works, but if one of the big contentions were like with streaming shows, you know, that, uh, like you can have some show from like 10 years ago or whatever. And then the streamers, Netflix, whoever, you know, they're, they're streaming this stuff and then actors get like hardly any royalties off of that. So that means that all the, the higher ups, you know, they're still making their money. And because that's, that's the problem. That's, that's one of the things that they're complaining about is that, you know, they're not making, not getting their fair share. So I'm assuming that the big high paid execs can just sit back and that they're still collecting on that. There are still movies, you know, going to theaters. There are still stuff that it's, it's you know, streaming. But I, I just, I, f- I feel like at some point, you know, we're going to run out of content, especially if actors aren't acting. So I don't know. So uh, with Deadpool, it was supposed to come out May 3rd, but they're saying even if the result, to what I was saying, is even if the, the strike was settled in the next few weeks, there's, they wouldn't be able to make it in time, you know, to, to finish it. And, you know, that, that's, uh, the, you, you can't rush it. You know, like, let's say it was like, okay, it's going to happen December 1st. You can go back and then you got to rush and try. It's, it's just one, there could be like mis- accidents could happen on set if you're, you know, being careless or rushing. And two, it, maybe it's not going to be as good because, you know, whatever. It was supposed to come out May 3rd. There's no new date because obviously how could there be when they don't know? You know, is this going to be resolved in two weeks? Is it going to resolve in two months or six months? Let's hope not. It, it sounds like while they don't know what's going to come out may, or when it's going to come out, but they're saying maybe Captain America, Brave New World, could move up to May 3rd. Um, there's been no confirmation on that, but they wrapped the filming on that back in June, so before the strike. It's possible, you know, maybe they can finish, you know, all the whatever after post-production stuff. So we'll have to see about that. Also, speaking of Disney, I guess there's going to be a live-action Gargoyles Disney Plus series. Okay, I know a lot of people love gargoyles, and I, I, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I will admit it because I'm not going to lie and say like, "Yo, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool like everyone else." I've never really watched gargoyles. I've seen a couple episodes, but it was just out at a time when I just wasn't watching, you know, whatever as much animated shows or whatever shows, and whenever it came out, because I, I don't remember when it came out. Maybe I thought it was just like kind of like a kid show, and you know, I know it's supposed to be really cool. And like I said, I've seen just a couple, but I never really got into it. So I know there's all you know backstories of the characters and all that. Uh, so if the live action came out, I mean, I'd, I'd be interested. I would want to watch it. I would just hope. I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know if any details were released about this. Like, is this a continuation of the animated series, or are they starting new? I would think that they would kind of you know for people like me, like we're going to get the hardcore audience. You know, they're going to be excited and watch it. But can we get in more people, more, you know, bigger audience by getting in all these newbies like me who don't know anything? And then so you'd want to start from the beginning. That is the interesting thing I think that they would with the Ahsoka show is, I mean, Ahsoka feels like it's it's Rebels season what, six, five, how many was, was there five season? I, I'm forgetting right now. But it feels like it's a continuation of Star Wars Rebels. And I, I think that's awesome. And I just wonder, because I haven't really heard anyone who hasn't watched it, but it's like, how is the show for someone who, who doesn't know who, 
who, you know, Sabine or Hera or Ezra, you know, who doesn't know these characters or Chopper. Like, what's up with this little, you know, sassy droid if they don't know? I don't know. I would, for me, I would hope that if they did a live action gargoyle is that they would kind of start over and, cause, you know, because they don't need to go that far back. But also that gives the opportunity to kind of, if, if there's some like really good story arcs or something like that, they could kind of retell it or, you know, kind of tweak it or reinvent it or, you know, do pay some homage to things versus if there's like a really compelling story, they could maybe do a flashback or something. Like that. But you, you know what I'm saying? So we'll have to see how that goes. At the same time, I wouldn't want it just to be a straight rehash of what was done in the animated series because while it's live action, it could be cool, it might not be as interesting to the longtime viewers. Kind of like with Scott Pilgrim, the animated series. I'm kind of glad they're tweaking things and not just doing like a straight adaptation because while it's going to be great to see the animated style and all that, it's like when you totally know what to expect, it's not as exciting. So... Avengers Secret Wars, there, there's nothing confirmed with this, but the, the rumors, speculations that it's, they're saying it's going to be kind of like a soft reboot. Like you might see some characters that you haven't seen in a while or something. Like that. I don't know if that necessarily means like Iron Man is going to come back or Captain America is going to come back. I mean, Captain America, there's always a possibility because timeline, tra time travel, whatever. You know, Iron Man, that seems a little more definite unless they did like a multiverse something. And, you know, who, 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 who knows? You know, would they do, do a multiverse and, like, recast Iron Man? I think that would be, that would be super risky to do that. I, th I think there would be a lot of people that would be in an uproar. There was that rumor that uh, Tom Cruise was supposed to be doing a cameo as Iron Man in, a, was it Doctor Strange? Which, obviously, that, that didn't happen. So, who knows? Uh, like I said, it's just rumors and everything. And, <laughs> and with the writer strike... You know, who, who can tell what's, what's going to happen? It does seem like, I don't know if the execs are playing hardballers, because, you know, there's just, it feels like a lot of things have been, been getting canceled because actors are, because everything is being held up, you know, when those actors and the writers, that they're just like, okay, whatever, we're just going to move on and cancel this, which that seems, seems silly, that like where you're not sure when it's going to be able to pick up production, but then you're just going to cancel it. I don't know if it's just a matter of, that way you can let go of the entire production team, like all the camera people and lighters, lighting people, whatever. I'm, I'm thinking about the peripheral on, on Amazon. That was renewed for a second season, and then they're like, oh, yeah, we're actually, we're going to cancel it now, which is just a bunch of crap. Um, <laughs> Matthew Vaughn, he's mentioned, uh, he, was, he, was on a, he was on the Happy Something podcast or something. I forget what it was. Uh, I, I, and, uh, I don't listen to it. And, uh, apparently he confirmed that he is not directing James Bond, James Bond 26. Cause like, there's been uh, apparently some speculation, like, is he going to do it? Whatever. And it's just silly when these rumors start They're you know, they're whatever. And, uh, he, he says like the powers be are not keen on him. Like they, they, I guess they don't either like him as a director, as a person. I don't know specifically what he said. I, like I said, I didn't listen to it. He's saying that. But again, sometimes things happen, like maybe right now he's not, but then tomorrow they're like, hey, have you decided? He's like, oh, maybe I will do it. So then he is doing it. So he's not lying, but right now he's saying, you know, he's, he's not doing it. But that, by the time I'm, I'm recording this, maybe he changed his mind or maybe you know, not that he changed, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Um, and then and actually the last bit of news is uh, DC Comics is releasing Jason Todd Lives 
they're releasing like a facsimile of the alternate Batman 428. So as you know the story, way back in the 80s, there was a story about Jason Todd as Robin and readers got to vote whether Jason Todd, Robin, lives or dies at the hands of the Joker. And it was supposedly like super close, like 72 votes were, were the difference. It was voted that he was going to get killed. And that's what happened. Apparently, which I don't know, because I, I, uh, I, I, I haven't seen like the one panel where Jason Todd lives. But apparently, I guess, there, I don't know how much of an issue, how much of it would it be? It probably would be, a, maybe, would it be a whole issue? Would they have drawn the entire thing? Because you have to think about like, what's the turnaround I'm trying to remember how it went because I, I I don't think I was reading Batman when that because I didn't vote and I don't think I was reading when that so I must have been reading after that I think maybe they commissioned they paid for the two issues whether he lives or dies and then once they're like okay this is what we're going hit the presses or something like that so maybe you know it wasn't even like colored or maybe it wasn't even inked you know I mean who know I don't know you know, how much of a, a head start or whatever they, time they had. So they're going to release that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm curious, you know, is it just like a couple pages? Are they adding new material to fill out a whole issue, or was it an entire issue? And then, you know, like what happens next and all that? So I, I think that's kind of cool. It What's surprising that it's been this long and they, they've never released it before. If, so that's what makes me wonder is like, was there a whole issue just sitting around and no one's ever done anything? Has it seen the day of light? Is that the saying? And just like, you know, not officially or all together. I don't know. Oh, and then actually one last, last bit of news is Blink-22 new album came out uh, Friday the 20th. And uh, one more time, I, I, you know, talked about when, that that song came out and just how powerful it was. And I just want to clarify, because you know, I was talking to someone, I don't remember what I said, and I don't know if they misheard or if I missaid, but I've, I've been a Blink-182 fan since the 90s. Uh, I remember like when, I, I'm pretty sure it was when Damn It first came out. You know, it was before Enemoto State. And I, you know, I thought it was, they were just really cool and everything. And then, you know, Enemoto State came out. That's really when I think everyone, you know, that, that didn't know them, weren't fortunate enough to know them, weren't cool enough to know them before. That's when everyone really started catching on to them. And then it you know, just took off from there. You know, I, I just, I've loved them ever since. You know, I, I saw them back, you know, after the first time they broke up and, and all that. Um, we've had like, you know, I think there's been five songs that, you know, they would keep releasing another song, another song. So right before the album came out, I think it was five songs. I don't think it was six. And, now the album's finally here and it's just it's 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 just it's amazing you know i i've it means so much to me and you know i was explaining this as actually as at the record store and uh you know because the record store owner he knows i'm like so into the band and there's this other guy there that you know that, that he knew is like kind of like a regular or whatever and you know he wasn't overly familiar with the band not his his genre or whatever he's probably more you know classical rock stuff which is you know totally fine i have no problem with that but you know, when I was explaining to them, or to this this guy, I was like, you know, they're my favorite band. I wouldn't say, you know, they're they're not the best band in the world. You know, they're you know, if you're looking at who is the best, whatever this or that or whatever, but that's not what it's about for me. It's just, you know, I just really enjoy just everything that they have. You know, their music, their personalities, and just 
you know, the composition and the playing and just, just everything. And there is also that nostalgia thing, you know, and, and even though it goes back to the nineties, you know, this, this guy sees like, Oh, I feel old now, you know, he's saying the nineties, but you know, that was a long time ago, you know, and, and maybe in the grand scheme of things, there's people who've been listening to music longer. And I'm not saying that's when I first started listening to music, obviously, but you know, I just have, you know, from that moment on, you know, I, I've always been listening to Blink-182 in one form or another, you know, they, there was a break when they weren't playing anything and then Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio joined the band and, you know, and, you know, and, and even between that, you know, we had Boxcar Race, we had Plus 44, you know, there, there's other things in Angels and Airwaves. So, you know, they had their side projects that I was still listening, you know, in the hopes of like, oh, we need more Blink and everything. Matt Skiba, you know, joined, took Tom's place and they put out a couple albums, which I, I liked. And, you know, I've been seeing it on Reddit, you know, there's, there's a lot of like, apparently a lot of and and when it, they came out, and I I experienced some of it that there's some people just really hating on 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 Matt, which I I didn't think was cool. And it, you know, it's, it's like the band's decision. You know, Tom didn't want to play in, in the band, and you know, he didn't want to. He wasn't focused on playing music. Yeah, he did Angels and Airwaves, but that was on his terms whenever he wanted, and and you know, just different types of music. So the fact that they're you know looking to to continue on, and it was you know, it unfortunately it happens. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm listening to the audiobook Anthony Keys' Scar Tissue, and you know you think about Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, they've had so many different band members, you know, so many different guitarists and drummers, and and you know that's just the nature of it. And you know, there's there is a question of like how much of a band you need to re- to still beat a band, but I, I don't know. I I just I, I think it's kind of silly where if one person doesn't want to be in the band, but the rest of the band wants to continue, you know, what, you got to make a new band because of that? I mean, that doesn't seem fair. So, I don't So, anyways, the new album's out. I, I love it. I think it's great. Um, it, it's, it feels like they're back to the basics or whatever. They're just... And, you know, there is a wide variety. I feel like there's music for everything. You know, you got some fun stuff, some upbeat stuff. There's some emotional stuff. You know, there there's some songs about, you know, obviously there's one more time about the, the band breaking up and, and, you know, just just emotional impact of, of everything like that and just how you can kind of relate that to other situations, not just about the band. You know, you can kind of make it a little personal for yourself as you listen. But there's you know, obviously some songs about like Mark dealing with the cancer, I, I feel like. And, you know, just like some stuff, that's, it's like just kind of almost kind of dark and just like really emotional and personal. And so it's it's just it's it's been really cool just hearing it all. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I can't explain it. And I, I, I think it's just a, a matter of like I've kind of gravitated. I've, I've said, OK, this is it. This is who I like. And that that's what it is. You know, I, I'm 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 not ashamed of it. You know, because and I say because a lot of times they build themselves as crappy punk rock. You know, so they're not trying to be the you know I, the best musicians in the world or whatever. And I just think it's it's fun. And I do think some of the songs can get a little deep and heavy. You know, if you look at the lyrics and and that. So there you go. There's also an interview. It's, it's like an hour and 15 minutes and uh, it's, it's on YouTube and you just check it out. It's, it's uh, there, there's a lot of like kind of deep stuff, like just, just everything that has gone on like the past few years and, you know, long whatever. I'm like overjoyed. Uh, I, I have one vinyl so far. I have, I think two more colored, you know, versions coming and, and the, and the CD, so I, it's, it's, it's great time for me <laughs> and, uh, you should give them a listen to it. it. It's always kind of weird when people like 
don't know who Blink-182 is. And it's like, how, how, how? Anyways, that's going to be news for the week. All right, with comic books at Image, we had, uh, was a bone, bone tenement, bone orchard tree tenement. Uh, Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino. I don't know what it is about this comic. There's something so fascinating. So we have this like tenement building and we have these, you know, just different groups of people. They're not like best friends, you know, because they live in the same building, you know, just, just totally different types of people and all that. But then they're, they're, they got pulled, these seven people got like pulled into this, some weird, bizarre thing. Like one guy died and then there's like these stairs from his apartment. They're like trapped in there because I think the power went out. So, they, you know, they don't want to take the elevator. And But then in his apartment, there's these stairs that shouldn't be there that lead down. And it was like into these caves and it was like, what's going on? And who are these like weird zombie golem people? Like what is happening and everything? And, and then... Uh, there's a crazy at the end. It's like, wait, what, what's going on here? Who's that? And, uh, but there's just, I, I think I, with Andrea Sorrentino's art and um, Dave Stewart's colors, you know, I, I definitely should mention, mention that there's just like such a, a vibe that I feel like that that is just like a driving force itself that it's, I, 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 I'm, I really can't describe, you know, explain, but there's just something just so deeply fascinating about this. And, I, I almost get like a tiny bit anxious as I listen to this because I'm just like, what what is going on? What what's happening here? So it's just it's it's crazy. Um, we have in hell we fight number five came out. I'm so far behind with that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Kill your darlings. I don't think I read that issue. Take two came out. Click click boom number five is out, and I I still haven't read two. Local man six. So local man, uh, I'm I'm enjoying this comic. Uh, you know, so the local man, you know, he was this, this hero cross Jack and he was like, kind of like in a, it was, it was like an image nineties team. He got kicked out of the team and they like owned the costume and the rights. And like, he's not even supposed to be like being doing any sort of superhero act or he could get sued and, you know, like nothing like that. So he went back to his hometown and, like his hometown, basically everyone hates him because they, you know, he, he got kicked out of the, the team and all, you know, they, they know who he is and all this. So it's just interesting. But then things keep happening around, you know, and part of it is because they know who he is and stuff like that. But in this issue, we definitely see that there's more going on. It's like, wait, what, what's happening and how is this person involved? And, you know, what, what does that mean? It's, it's just, it, you know, the first trade is out. You should pick that up. It's, it's, it's 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 fun because it's it's something different and you know like I said it has that image '90s feel and and then it's just you know there was also like a like kind of crazy crossover with some other like image characters which was like a flashback story so it's, it's some interesting stuff here uh, we had Rogue Sun sixteen um, I haven't read the last few issues of that um, Swan Songs I was actually going to read this because uh, I read the first issue and, was, and each issue I think is a different story I think it might be a different writer I could be wrong with that and some of the stories are a little kind of not necessarily dark and dreary but you know I think they're kind of like love stories but you know kind of just deep and whatever sad I don't know at Marvel Astonishing Iceman I did not read it but I'm looking at this cover uh, I don't is that Captain America because I haven't read this um, I haven't didn't read the second issue. No, it's not. Okay, that's one of the other Captain America, the the Captain America of the Train Gang, 
Um, he wasn't he, like living in the rails. Because I'm looking at this guy. He's like, wait, he's got a shield, but why is his shield sparkly? Is it just because there's all this ice? And he's got like a flag on his arm. Is that a tattoo? Is that? And his mask looks a little weird. I don't know about about that. Then we have Avengers Inc. So this this is a, a lot of fun. I, I really like like this comic. So this is um, Al Ewing is doing the writing. Leonard Kirk does does the art. Um, Alex Sinclair, who I adore, I think he's such such a nice guy, and he's talented. Um, he does does the color. So Avengers Inc. is basically Janet Van Dyne. Janet Van Dyne sounded weird when I said it. I don't know if it sounded weird when I said it. To me, it sounded weird. She's you know did some investigation. One of her enemies uh, what was it Whirlwind. Yeah, he he died. He was killed in in you know the prison. So she went to investigate. But then there's these other villains that were dead too. But then they started coming back to life. But they were like reanimated or something like that. So Whirlwind is not Whirlwind. You know he he's he says that he's really Victor Shade and he's just happened to be in that body, whatever like that, like Victor Shade, like who's Victor Shade? Victor Shade is actually an alias that Vision used. So it's like, wait, what the heck is going on? So, you know, you can see on a cover that, you know, Vision's there. So they're, they're, they're trying to figure out like what, what the deal is and investigate things. And um, this issue, they actually go to the Avengers mansion, which is now like a, a superhero resort, like gimmicky tourist place. And some stuff like goes down there, and I, I just I, I really enjoyed it. I don't I, there's something about it. <laughs> then, then there's Children of the Vault issue three. I can't say that I love this uh, very much. The reason I, I don't love it is I I didn't, don't care for the Children of the Vault. I just I never cared for the concept or whatever. So you have these uh, they're not even mutants, but they're like so super evolved because when they're in the vault, as time passed differently and. I, I think what I don't like about them is how they feel that they're just so above everyone else and and they're they're dangerous. You know, they just want to whether because of their power they think that they know everything, they know better, et cetera, et cetera. And they've been locked away and and they it sounds kind of cruel, but they were living this kind of like sort of pretend life where they thought that that was a world. And then when with the fall of the X-Men the safeguards basically fell as well. And then they, they came out, then they're like, oh, those mutants, they lied to us, they tricked us. So now they're in the real world trying to impose their powers and beliefs and suggestions or whatever on everyone else. But we have Cable and Bishop, who can't stand each other. And uh, someone reminded me, which I totally forgot, because I mentioned this, I think it was after the first issue. I was like, why do Bishop and Cable hate each other so much? Because, yeah, they're both from the future, but they're from different futures. You know, the time with Bishop, you know, Cable wasn't really active there. Like when you think back to, you know, the, the Willis Portacio, whatever era of, you know, X, Uncanny X-Men. I, I was like, why did they hate each other? But then, uh, who was it? So there, I was reminded that, Wait, Bishop was trying to kill Hope Summers, you know, when, when Hope was a baby. And so there's that. And I just remembered, I was like, oh, yeah, cause Bishop just turned like crazy evil that he's trying to kill a baby because of whatever you know, possible future thing he thought. And which must make things awkward now, you know, when she's grown up and they were into each other. Uh, so the, I'm mean, sure there's other, I think there's something else, too. But they're working together against because all the mutants are gone for the most part. There's not many mutants around, and uh, they're they're working to stop the these 
children, the children of the vault, which, bleh. Okay, then there was Crypt of Shadows. And you look at this cover, it's like, okay, we got Hulk, we got Scarlet Witch, we got Daredevil, we got Deadpool. And look at all those names, Ewing, Gailey, Orlando, Scott, Shout. There's like all these people in here. And I was like, I can't read that. I was like, is this going to be one of those 100-page comics? It's, it, so I, I didn't read it. It's actually a 33-page comic. But there's different stories or different creators here. Uh, so there's Out of the Shadows by Al Ewing and Paul Davidson. A Rain Barreto doing the colors. Uh, and then... Brick by Brick, Steve Orlando, Paul Azaceda. Ooh. Um, Without Fear, obviously that must be Daredevil, right? Declan Shelby and Alex Linz. Matt Mia doing the, the colors. The Living and the Dead, Kevin Scott. Um, Damala Pramanik, the art. A Soul Worth Hunting, Sarah Gailey and Eder Eder Mazias. So, uh, and so my, my thing is, so, okay, the first one, I'm like skimming through the pages. We got uh, Scarlet Witch, but my fear now, and here's a Deadpool story, is, you know, we have these basically short stories. Oh, wait, there's, it looks like there's, and this dude's like kind of interconnecting all these Daredevil. So, I don't know, I, I feel like this could be a matter of will these stories go anywhere but since there's this guide that's kind of connecting the different stories and that makes it a little something um so now i'm looking at the last i'm spoiling this it's like is this going to go anywhere i guess maybe it's going to go continue somewhere um keep exploring the dark side of marvel universe maybe not i don't know so i didn't read that but you can check that out uh then there was daredevil in issue two so this, this was weird. So spoiler, Daredevil died. Chip Zdarsky killed Daredevil. But then, I feel like I can spoil this, is like he somehow came back. But he came back as a priest. So it's Matt Murdock. He's a priest in a church. Has no memory of being Daredevil. And, you know, Electra like, actually went up to him and she's like... You know, she actually talked to him, and, and he didn't know who he were. There was almost like a glimmer, like like her her center. You know, he was he's like kind of you know, it's deja vu or something like that. But you know, he didn't know who she was, and it's like, okay, where are you going to go with this? But then you look at the covers, like, wait, why is Daredevil on a cover? Is this just a matter? You know, John Romita Jr., which I I, I really like that cover, uh, but which is weird because you have Aaron Cooter doing the, the art. And it's like, well, why didn't he do a cover? Maybe, did he do a cover? I don't know, I can look at the fine print. Yeah, there's a bunch of, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of variant covers. David Marquez, Matthew Wilson, okay. So why is, why is Matt Murdock Daredevil on the cover if he's not Daredevil? And so you have to see like what, what that means. Uh, so it is interesting with Daredevil being, working as you know, a, a priest at the, the church. And there, you know, there are some kids that they've brought in, you know, trying to get off the street and, you know, give them a second chance and, and all that. Uh, what's interesting here is uh, they're starting to see a, a problem because there's actually some police officers that were there to, to talk to them. And in the first issue, there's some some troublemakers that were out there and Matt actually kind of fought them. You know, even though he's not Daredevil, and it's like, wait, how could he do this? And you know, his instinct or whatever. And then I was like, okay, did they go to the police then and say, oh, that priest at the church beat us up? And, and then the police are there to talk to him, or is there something else going on? And it turns out that there is something more, you know, something going on. And as far as we do find out, like 
who is behind that and it's just like wait what the heck does that mean so you yeah, have to see that uh, there was a deadpool batter blood number five which i'm not reading that i see spider-man on the cover so obviously this must be yeah because i i what i mentioned is i thought that they were just reprinting the, the hardcover you know with a one-shot story into comic format but apparently not and i haven't heard anything about this so this is the fifth issue i mean clearly <laughs> this is this is continuing should i have been reading this if you are reading deadpool batter blood let me know if, if it's if i should be reading it now keep in mind i i like rob liefeld i i, I you know I, some people love him some people can't stand him and i feel like there's some people that, that like can they're okay with them you know they're, they're not one way or the other so i i like uh, rob liefeld um, he's always been good to me. I've had, you know, really good positive interactions with him. Uh, I even posted like on a secret podcast, I think, um, the interview, I, I, if you want to know what episode, if you're a Patreon listener, I can tell you, but it was, we were supposed to do, uh, it was like a 20 minute interview. And, uh, this is one that ended up the powers that be and decided they didn't want to post that interview because I was no longer working at this place where that I did the interview for, which I, I you know, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, so I, you know, I, I, I was like, well, you know, I, this audio is like on my device, you know, I have this, uh, this audio. So here you go. Listen to it. it Cause it, the thing about Rob is, and you know, he, he has his own, own podcast, which I haven't listened to it. Cause I don't have time, but it's very successful apparently. And, uh, I remember like the first Long Beach Comic Con, I interviewed him and I, I, I think it was almost like a 30 minute interview. And you know, this is, uh, I, I remember my, this is my perception of it. You know, I had this, that was the first time I ever talked to Rob. And when I went up to him, you know, I, I think he was a maybe, I could be wrong. I felt like he might've been a little cautious. Like, who's this guy coming up to him? And cause I could see, I'm sure there's some big time a-hole people that would try to like set up an interview. And I could be wrong about this, but I feel like there would be some people like, like, Oh, let's try to punk Rob Liefeld. You know, we're gonna do a serious interview and then we're going to say something about feet. And you know, he's made jokes about that himself. So it's like, okay, get, get a new, new shtick or whatever. But I remember I was talking and then like Jeff Loeb was happened to be like at the table next to him or near him. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if I, I, I might again, this is all my interpretation where I feel like maybe Jeff might have vouched for me because I had had interactions with, with, with Jeff before. And um, and then we, we did this like long interview and I had to like break it down into two two videos because I felt like it was too long. So anyways, Rob is very energetic and enthusiastic you know he's so passionate about you know what what he works on i think that's great um and i like deadpool i don't love deadpool i can tolerate deadpool sometimes you know deadpool is a bit much but maybe i should go back you let me so if you're reading batter blood let me know if i if if i should be reading it uh let's see ghostwriter i'm not reading that um incredible hulk this i'm just i'm not loving this this direction I'm, I'm curious with the, this version of hulk you know it's, it's not too different from what we've seen but you know he he's kind of got this attitude you know it's, it's back to the not, not liking banner but there's like this darkness that and it's like hulk is gonna kind of get pulled into this big battle against whatever and um betty shows up 
you know, because Betty's like, who is she working with? Which I'm a little concerned <laughs> about that. So we'll have to see where, where this is going to go. So it's, it's kind of interesting. But then, um, I don't know if I should mention this. Um, I think Hulk, because Hulk appeared somewhere else. What was it in? Hulk appeared in something else, and it felt weird. Like, was it in continuity? And I think Hulk is going to be in She-Hulk number two, because She-Hulk number one comes out this week. So it's like, wait, how is this all tied together? Whatever. Then we have Invincible Iron Man issue 11. So this is after Tony Stark and Emma Frost got married and is still, you know, trying to work against Orcus, you know, trying to take them down. And uh, it, it's interesting to see because the, the marriage obviously is more kind of like for convenience. And, you know, Emma, it's not Emma Frost. Emma Frost is in another guise. But you can see that Tony's like, hmm, you know, he, that he's... He, it's almost like he he's kind of likes the idea of maybe getting married. Like this this wouldn't be that bad or whatever. And you know they, they it is a mutually beneficial arrangement for them working together. And so it'll be interesting to see is this is this going to last or is this you know eventually they're going to say hey whatever let's be real this this isn't going to work. Uh, <laughs> then we have uh, Miles Morales Spider Man number eleven. Oh. Boy. So uh, Miles gets a new costume, and um, I, I feel like I should need to go back. So Miles is taking the garbage out, and he's like in his PJs, like sweatshirt, whatever. Then some commotion happens, and he—I think he happened to have his mask. So he puts his mask on. He doesn't have the rest of his costume. Then it turns out there's like vampire stuff, and Blade's there, and Blade's daughter. I, I do kind of like Blade's daughter. You know that miniseries. It, you know, it wasn't the Blade's daughter that was announced back in I think 2016. I'm okay with this character you know i can't say it's my favorite character ever uh i don't know if she's really necessary or whatever but I, there's just something kind of fun about it i think and they meet up and stuff like that and as miles finds out that you know there, there's some more stuff going on uh they're like well you can't go is as exact your costume is like you're going out in your pajamas or whatever and he's like i was taking the trash out and i had the time to get around my costume and it's not like he can be like oh can you wait here i'm gonna run in and get it but just close your eyes don't look at which building i, I go into which window i climb in or whatever so blade does something he does some sort of ma when did blade get magical powers am i missing something did i read that wrong but he kind of waves his hand a bit or whatever he says a spell and then all of a sudden miles has a new costume which is kind of like like almost like a, a jacket and you know collar and like what and it's supposed to be like his you know vampire hunting costume and i don't understand <laughs> Um, I do like it better than the last costume we had, <laughs> but uh, this is kind of weird. Uh, Moon Knight number 28, the last days of Moon Knight. So uh, Moon Knight's going to die? Then better not. It's going to be stupid. It's going to be so stupid if, if they kill him. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're getting ready to fight Black Spectre. Black Spectre has been killing other people that have worked with Moon Knight. And he's he's gotten he's recruited other you know former villains or not for, for other villains to go after him and everything and it's just uh, getting crazy and you know Moon Knight's planning this attack you know he's got some allies but of course little by little the other allies are getting separated you know they're, they're for reasons they're not side by side with Moon Knight at the end so it's, how's that going to go down? 
Uh, Scarlet Witch issue nine. So Scarlet Witch has been kind of hanging out with Joseph, the uh, clone of Magneto or whatever. And um, as I was reading this, I'm I'm having trouble. I'm not, I'm not like fully committed to this comic. You know, so you know, Wanda does a bunch of different stuff. She's hanging out with Joseph, and they're doing different things. Then there's kind of like this weird twist at the end, and it's just like, oh, one, why? It's like, is that really necessary? But you know, again, you need to create drama and suspense and all that. But two, it's like, I don't know if, if I like that. So, I don't know. Sensational. She-Hulk number one. I, one, I'm not sure. I'm trying to remember. So Rainbow Rowell, was she writing the last series? I feel like she was. I could be wrong. Um, why Why do we have a new number one? Is it just to make it easier for new readers? Because it is kind of continuing things. You know, uh, Jen is still working for Mallory Book, or her old nemesis, lawyer nemesis. Uh, she is still kind of kind of seeing Jack of Hearts. She is still doing her punch club, fight club thing with Thing and uh, uh, Titania and Volcana. So it's like, this feels like it's just the next issue. And uh, But whatever. I mean, I'm not going to get hung up. I've, I've, I'm not, that's not the battle I'm fighting anymore. And, you know, as long as you put the legacy numbers on here and this is legacy 179. But with this issue, I feel like, I feel like there wasn't anything overly new because it's it's like it's kind of still this, the same of everything i don't know but i i i, I like she hulk and I, i'm enjoying this series uh spine tingling spider-man number one i didn't read this because i feel like this isn't this a continuation of something else uh scariest marvel book ever is that true i mean should i be reading this now you know because i i feel like that that's not true but i haven't didn't read this then there was star wars uh, number 39. This is Lando and Lobot. So I didn't read this because I like the characters, but I felt like where they're going, I don't know. And this is another Dark Droids. How long is this Dark Droids stuff going on? I'm, I was fascinated. I was intrigued by Dark Droids in the beginning, but um, I'm just not really into it. So looking at this, it uh, looks because, you know, they, they go to Jabba's so we're at, I guess, a place where Lando knows, like, oh, hey, buddy. He sees um, Han Solo there, but obviously you know, he can't just go and get him out. Um, and then that was it for Marvel because there's Obi-Wan came out. But to me, that's just weird because it's just retelling the, the, the series. And I, I don't know. Um, at DC, DC Comics... There was Batman Superman World's Finest. Uh, I can't see what issue number this is. But uh, it's a Kingdom Come tie-in sort of story. And um, it was okay. So it's, it's continuing. You know, they're, they're looking for that. What's they calling him? Kid Thunder? Whatever that, that, that kid. And uh, they, they kind of get a lead on him. So Superman's going to go. He's like, I, you know, because he got sucked into this other Earth, alternate, you know, whatever reality. Superman's like, I got to go and try to help him, whatever. And then they're talking about, like, so it's like uh, power, power, Supergirl is going to kind of take Superman's place, you know, while he's gone in Justice League. And then Batman goes, too, because they talk about, like, oh, you know, we imagine we can't lose a Superman or something like that. And then so they're going to send two heroes out on this because they're even like, well, when you go, there's no guarantee you're going to get to the right place. 
So it's like, let's send two heroes there. Um, Superman number seven. Um, this, so it turns out Lex had this uber super villain locked away in the secret impenetrable prison thing. And Superman, when he finds out about it, he's like, oh, no, you can't do this. He's like, if Lex back then, evil Lex locks someone up, there, there can't be a good reason. So he lets them go, and it turns out maybe Lex had the right idea. So the other super people around are like trying to stop him, and they're basically getting their butts kicked. And uh, Superman got replaced with this guy, so he ended up getting locked up. But he does get out, and uh, yeah, it's not going good for them. Then there is Nightwing, number 107. Uh, what's nice about this is it kind of goes back to after Dick Grayson got shot in the head, he kind of lost his memories. He became Rick Grayson. As much as I don't like Rick Grayson, I mean, it makes a lot more sense than Dick Grayson. Like who, does, does anyone named Richard call themselves Dick these days? I mean, is there anyone that, that goes by Dick? Because even though that is a perfectly acceptable name, it has a, another connotation or another meaning or whatever. When he was Rick Grayson, he had another girlfriend, B, and you know she owned a bar and everything like that. And he kind of comes into uh, he, Nightwing came into contact with her uh, through because there is this box that was left for nightwing but rick was like that's not for me that's for dick that's for him but then is it safe is it stolen and what's who was killed and what's this and wait b's a pirate now and so nightwing's getting pulled into that so that's, that's kind of interesting titans number four uh this was okay so when i'm first reading this i was like wait a minute wasn't wally supposed to be dying there's like did they, they didn't solve that did they because so wally from the future came and somehow he, he, he ended up dying. So someone had killed him, but they don't know when that's going to happen. So now it's down to the point where there's like 48 hours when he was supposed to die. And they still haven't figured it out. So, you know, what, before they go on a the mission, they're like, you can't come because it, we can't risk it. And then his whole thing is like, okay, Dick, it's like every time you go out, it's like you're putting your life at risk. So what's the difference? And it's not quite the same, but yeah, so they... they Beast Boy decides, you know, he wants to start, you know, why are we just saving local, you know, stopping local muggers or purse snatchers, whatever. It's like, you know, we have this power. We should try and be, you know, try and do something for the bigger world and, and stuff like that. So he wants to go and help, like, replant trees from, you know, in the Amazon or I forget where it was, Borneo or was it Borneo? Not Borneo. Was it Borneo? Somewhere where, you know, all these trees have been taken out and, and just help the world type of thing. So they all go there, and of course there's like evil, you know, who's who's wiping out this part of the forest, the rainforest, and some evil corporation who hired some mercenary, armored mercenary people. And and then there's uh, the stuff with that church. Um, Aqualad has been kind of pulled into it, and he's got to be manipulated because he, he can't be working on his own volition. But yeah, there's a little development with that as well. Okay, then... When I saw it, it's like, oh, there's a new issue to Flash. So I was like, this what? Because they did, they launched a new Flash. It must be Flash number two. But it's like, well, no, this is Flash number one. This is Jay Garrick, the Flash number one. So I was like, okay, this is by Jeremy Adams and I think Jorge Corona. 
And uh, uh, and here's the thing. When I was first reading it, I was like, oh, Jay Garrick and his daughter, because his daughter came back from JSA to Lost Children or Stargirl. No, Stargirl and Lost Children, which I love that series. You definitely should read it. And uh, I'm like, okay, so his daughter's back and they're fighting. You know, they're going going to get some some villain. Uh, Jay's wife had, had been kidnapped. But then I'm like, why does Jay look so young? And I was like, I was like, who is this artist that drew him? I mean, he looks he looks younger than Wally West does. I'm like, what's happening? And it turned out it's like, oh, that was a flashback. And now, so I missed the, the and I did flip back, and I was like, oh, yep, it says 1960. I forget what it was. Part of it deals with the daughter coming back, and then now you know she's been gone for like 60 years or something like that, and then you know she sees her mom, or, you know, mom's an old lady, and it's just like a grandma, and. It's, yeah, so it, it, I'm really curious where this can go, and uh, I, I I like that idea, and you know I I've, I've never been like the biggest you know uh, Jay Garrick fan. I'm like okay, you know it's classic speeds are cool, so I, I'm I'm really curious to see where, where where this would go. There's Catwoman 58. I'm pretty sure I read this, and by pretty sure because uh, you know it's like almost like these stories are blending in together as they continue. So, you know, Batman and Catwoman, they, they do talk and because, you know, they, Batman doesn't agree with Catwoman's tactics and she doesn't agree with Batman's stance. And she, you know, she's trying to figure out, like, where, where's Jason Todd? What'd you do to him? Because basically Batman tried to fix Jason, cure him and kind of rewrote his, not his DNA. I, I kind of missed it, something like that. So now if he tries to do anything like, even like heroic or what he he it's almost like he's not it's not the fear toxin but he's been changed where he starts getting like for like he's frightened and just like can't even move and so then the problem is as he's you know going down there's like a fire and he hears like some kid screaming in there so he's you know got to go and try to save them but then like what's that going to mean for him and uh it may not be good then there's uh, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, so this is Brian Buccellato. He uh, wrote this, and I think Drew Edward did the art. How do you set this up? And I think that's the key to these types of crossovers. So if you're going to do some whatever sort of crossover, you have to have a good way to make the crossover happen. You know, it can't just be like, oh, the, the worlds merge or you know, whatever, teleport and... Or they've always been there, so there there is a a way that this happens. So basically, the um, and I'm not going to tell you exactly, but me, or whatever. Um, the Legion of Doom. Some members they decide to. Is this where I want to go? <laughs> I, I, well, they decide to commit like a robbery. Let's just say, and during that, like things kind of go sideways. And what's interesting here is, you know, we have kind of like the classic Justice League team. You know, we have Superman, Batman, uh, Hal Jordan. I'm pretty sure it's Barry Allen and Wonder Woman. And so, they're you know, they're, they're doing things. But Superman's about to propose to Lois. So in this uh, point in time in history and whatever incarnation, Lois and Clark aren't married yet. So it's kind of nice that thing, you know, where it's like he knows, like the others know he's about to propose and everything. So it's, 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 there's some, some fun with, with that. And then through whatever means, um, we don't really, there's, there's no 
Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong yet. We do see Godzilla and Kong. There's no interaction between them and the Justice League yet, but this is just you know setting things up as to why that would even be possible and so forth. So I I, I like that, and because you know a lot of these times these books just feel kind of forced, and I I, I to me this felt like it would work, so I, I I do like that. I applaud that. Green Lantern War Journal. Uh, this was issue. I can't see the issue number. And this is John Stewart. So it's interesting because John Stewart doesn't need a ring. You know, he's his powers have kind of like evolved or whatever, and he doesn't need that. And there's an annoying member of the new Green Lantern Corps, which is run or ruled by the Federation of Planets, because the Guardians decided to like, yeah, we're done. We're going vacation. It's all yours. And they detected like I think they detected like a ring being used on Earth. So they go after John Stewart to say like, hey, you can't be you're not authorized to use that. But it's like, dude, he's not using that. He doesn't need a ring. And they attack him at his home, which is like not cool. And then they actually so it was like um, it was like Green Lantern it was like one dude and I think maybe one or two others. But they end up getting kind of pulled into something not not good. So there's that. Um, Batman White Knights. Did I, was that? I feel like I read this last week, Generation Joker. So it looks like that was this week. And uh, it's a conclusion to the story. So I, I think they did a good job. I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, like what happened, who's where, and what's what. But I, I, I just, I really like these, even because it's basically like an Elseworlds, you know, it's, just, it's not the real universe, but there's something about just the way the characters are written and everything like that, that makes this kind of interesting, I think. So um, you definitely should check that out, especially, especially if you've read any of the other Sean Murphy, you know, Batman, Joker, you know, White Knight. So you should definitely read that. Um, then some other stuff that came out was Hot Girl, um, number four. Cyborg number four. I was kind of interested in the f when I after reading the first one, but I didn't. I missed the second one for some reason. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's about it. City Boy issue five. If you're reading City Boy, let me know because I I'm kind of curious about that. I feel like I, I should go back and try to read that. But it looks like that is it. That will be comics for the week. Okay, Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty's back. So season seven, episode one. So I mentioned earlier that, yeah, I never talked about the last couple episodes, but I did watch them and uh, things things were kind of interesting with, with those. This episode, how how Poopy got his poop back. So the family's complaining. Uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole is crashing with him in the living room. And, you know, I, I forget. Someone's like, I keep tripping over his, his hat. And um, then this girl comes over to sell drugs and tells the family that he said that they had cash because, you know, they're all in the kitchen. And Beth's like, I've had it. And she tells, you know, she's like, Morty, go go find your grandpa and tell him to get our house guests, you know, out of here. And she's like, Jerry, pay the dealer. And the girl's like, well, I prefer the term pharmacist. When, and she's like, so today or whatever. So Jerry, um, he tries asking Space Beth. He's like, uh, could you? And she's like, sorry, I left my wallet in space. And she gets some leaves. He's like, uh, so are you going to get it? Or, you know, so anyways, um, Beth goes in the living room. Mr. Poopy Butthole's on like on the floor. So Beth's like, you know, this has gone far enough, and you know, you know, we've been really cool to you in a time of need. 
and he like takes the last swig of whiskey and says that he agrees he's a piece of garbage and uh you know can she boost him so he can hook his belt to the ceiling fan and she's like we don't have a ceiling fan he's like ooh we is that why it's so hot they're not expensive and she walks out of the living room then he starts talking to family says that you know he's like oh i bet you didn't expect me in the cold open and you know it looks like he's taking another turn for the worse and he's like oh it all started when beth shot me and she's like i said i was sorry he's like i know it tore you up inside like a bullet she's like it was an accident anyway then i got fired from my job my wife left me i broke both my legs, failed the bar exam, ooh-wee, things went downhill from there, so I've been crashing with the Smiths for a while, ooh-wee, I'm Mr. Poopy Butthole, and this is Rick and Morty season seven. <laughs> oh, I should do the whole episode like that, right? So Morty goes down the, you know, the, the basement part under the garage, checks on how, he's like, hey, Rick, how you doing? You know, I brought you some coffee, and he uh, complains about, you know, he's like, oh, that's probably garbage. What I can synthesize my own coffee. And he's like, well, I know I didn't even bring your coffee. And, you know, he's trying to see how you're doing. Uh, then he's like, well, I found a version of me to kill my wife. And he just missed it. Had a big sword fight on top of the Hoover Dam. He fell and landed on a sharp spike. And then he whispered, thank you. You know, like a werewolf. <laughs> I didn't get that. I was like, what do you mean like a werewolf? And we're like, okay, okay. He's like, I was just asking to be polite. He's like, the family wants you upstairs to deal with Mr. Poopy Butthole. And Rick's like, oh, it's finally time, huh? He's like, well, lucky for you guys. I know how to make someone leave. So then in the garage, he has this like big device thing set up. He's like, family, I present to you Robo Ghost. And Beth's like, is, is your plan to scare him away? He starts the machine and starts making this like a robot body and everything like that. And then he starts uploading like business, but then he interrupts it. So get it? So it has unfinished business. But then he shoots the robot in the back of the head and it falls forward and it makes a ghost. But then the ghost of the robot falls through the floor and he's like, oh, he's like, I have to make gravity part of its finished business. And Beth's like, you can't keep putting this off. It's like, you need, you know, you need to do an intervention with him. He's like, nope. She says then, you know, he has to help him on his own, not with the ghost. So he finally relents. He's like, okay, whatever. Opens the portal to leave. And Beth's like, he's in the living room. And he's like, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm getting some friends. And Beth's like, oh, what are you doing an intervention? He's like, no. He's like, I'm going to get some friends to talk to a friend. He's like, they, you know, you'd know the difference if you weren't stupid and you had friends. Summer's like, you're mean. And she's like, dad. And he's like, pick your battles, honey. He's like, ha ha, yeah. Bleep you, Summer. <laughs> Uh, and then so Rick shows up at Gearheads. He's like, hey, Gearhead buddy. He's like, we got to help Poopy Butthole. He's in a bad place. And he's like, well, that sounds like intervention, uh, which Gearhead, no likehead. And he's like, it's not an intervention, and you owe me. Then they go to Squanchy, the whatever. I don't even know what do you call him. He's a weird cat, whatever. Um, then he goes to Bird Person. So Bird Daughter is there. And, you know, so he tells Rick that she was in prison at a femme fatale training camp. And Bird Person says that, you know, he'd like to set a good example for his daughter. Rick wonders, he's like, do we know anyone who hasn't been drinking? So then they go to this, some dude on like a lawn tractor and they just like kind of grab him. And, you know, the, the tractor, you know, he keeps trying to go stop his tractor because it's still kind of moving slowly. But it just it goes off into the street. So they have to figure out where to take Mr. Poopy Butthole so he doesn't get suspicious. They go to this restaurant called F, pound sign, parenthesis sign, K, use. Mr. Poopy Butthole says he appreciates him taking him out. It's been a rough week. Amy's been taking Pilates from this guy named Guy. Bird person um, asks if he's been surveilling his ex-wife. Ooh-wee, not with the restraining order. I hired a predator to follow her around. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there's a predator PI is like the hunt personal and business matters. And he says that they're cheap because they live for the hunt. He's like, you just have to pay them not to kill your target. And if they stay cloaked, then there's no licensing fee. So the server comes with some water and he like lightly insults them. He's like, because that's, he, it's supposed to be fun or whatever. But then he insults poopy butthole and bird person says, like, well, maybe this wasn't the right place. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is a great place to celebrate my birthday. And so then there's like birthday, birthday, birthday. And it like shows like each friend's face. Like they're like, oh crap. No one knew it was his birthday. And, but then it goes, if the camera goes back to him, he's like, birthday, birthday. So he actually is repeating himself. He's like, I can't believe you remembered. I was at the end of my ropes thinking I'd worn out all my welcomes. Thanks for doing this, Rick. So the server comes with like a cupcake and a candle. He's like, oh, I heard it's your birthday, whatever. Then he shows PB's head into the cupcake and like the candle like sticking out of his eye. So then uh, Poopy Butthole asks if they should all do shots or something like that so rick grabs a, a like server tray with beer and they all do cheers so there's lots of drinking then um then they're like at an alien strip club then then they go to this world where all the people are like talking bottles and they, they start like drink, drinking people they go to this party mixer like cement truck party bus thing where they go in there there's actually a liquid in there and it starts like spinning and stuff like um the the guy mowing his lawn like, he has to pee, so he's, like, trying to stand as the things that the whole place is, like, shaking and spins around or whatever. Then they go to this nightclub. Rick gets hit, hit in the face by something sticky. Then he, So it turns out it's a honey rave where, like, honey actually squirts down from the sprinklers. So they wonder, like, what planet this is, and Bird Person says it's Earth because he's, like, there's Hugh Jackman. Uh, he, like, kind of waves at, at Rick, and he's, like, oh, he recognizes, you know, he knows me because we both hosted the Oscars. And, but then Rick's like, don't make it tacky. You know, no one call him Wolverine. But it turns out he was actually waving to the lawn guy. So the lawn guy's name is Gene. So Hugh apparently married his cousin. Now, according to the, you know, I didn't look at IMDb, but apparently Hugh Jackman voiced Hugh Jackman, which is like, okay, that's interesting. So Hugh married Gene's cousin. So Gene's like, which I guess makes him a Wolverine law. Wolverine law. Hugh laughs, and he's like, oh, that's fantastic. Then Hugh turns to Rick. He's like, hey, didn't you host the Oscars? And then, you know, he assumes they want to party. If they, if so, they have to do it as a team. So first he has to take what he calls a huge Ackman, which he has to go to the bathroom. From there, he's going to the Jack Shack, and Gene says that that's just his house. That's what he calls it. But he's like, I don't think we should go. And Bird Person's like, I challenge you to explain why not without making us want to go more. And he's like, well, you know, he's pretty anti-limitation. When he parties, it gets extreme. And he's like, challenge failed. And Rick's like, whoa, what's extreme by the gene metric? Does he have uh, Les Mis shot classes? And Poopy Butthole says that it's his birthday, and he wishes a party with Hugh Jackman. And he comes up behind him, and he's like, and you shall. He does like, does like a singing thing. So Rick says, he's like, well, that was a fast poop. Then Hugh pulls out a bag of blue pills, and he wants everyone to take some. And Gearhead's like, what are they? And he's like, huh, maybe they're Tic Tacs. Maybe they're cyanide. Maybe I don't want to party with people. Hesitate. So they all reach in the bag. He's like, there you go. Now we're all completely fucked. Then it cuts to, uh, they're in Hugh Jackman's living room. Rick has like, he looks at his hand. He has like tiny wasted Rick heads on each fingertip. And like, you know, his eyes are all red. Um, he seems to kind of like shimmer or whatever. Like he's not really stable. 
PB, Poopy Butthole's doing cocaine. Bird Persons is doing like the knife on the, you know, between the fingers thing. Then Squanch is like, oh, it's my turn. He goes, whoosh, stabs the middle of his hand. Did I win? Poopy Butthole gets misty. He's looking at like Hugh's wedding pictures and Hugh's like, oh, that was the best day of my life. And Poopy Butthole's like, yeah, my wedding was great too. And he was like, oh no. He's like, I was talking about the Tony Award on the shelf. So there's one like below the, you know, the, the picture. And then he's, he's like, why the long face? And Poopy Butthole's like, shaping my skull. And Hugh's like, well, when I wrote Caribou Queen, is, it, is that how you say Caribou Queen, not Caribbean Queen? Caribou Queen. He says that, He's like, when I wrote Caribou Queen, you know what my agent said? And Bird Person comes up. He's like, Billy Ocean wrote that. He's like, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> you know, that's what he said. He's like, Billy Ocean wrote that. Don't write again. You're not Billy Ocean. And you know what I did? I fired my agent. He's like, I don't accept other people's limitations. He's like, what does your heart want, little ripper? He's like, you know, he's like, right now, don't think. Right now, my heart wants Amy back. And Hugh says, like, everyone, he wants Amy back. The others can't help but agree in their, their state. And Rick's like, I do not think that's a good idea. So then Hugh's like, ladies and gentlemen, this man is a fake friend. And he's like, come on, Hugh. And Hugh's like, come on, Hugh. Come on, everybody. Don't call Hugh Jackman Wolverine. Don't call yourself Billy Ocean. Don't get Amy back. You're a vampire, brother. You feed off other people's energies. And Poopy Butthole's like, that's kind of true. And Rick's like, are you kidding me? You've been living on my daughter's sofa for months. Do you want me to leave? He's like, the entire family does. Why not say something? Because you're my friend. A real friend would have known that it's not my birthday. And Hugh's like, oh, spit. He's like, fake friend. And Rick's like, you're not helping, Hugh Jackman. And I think Poopy was like, you don't get to tell me what to do or anyone here. Rick's like, why would you pretend it's your birthday? He's like, you think I don't know a half-ass intervention when I see one coming? And Hugh says that he loves where he's at, that he's Wolverining it right now. Uh, he's like, or uh, Poopy Butthole's like, does Wolverining hurt a little? And everyone's like, says like, every time. Hugh tells everyone to grab a drink to go. They're either getting Amy back or they're going home. And Rick's like, you're nuts. He's, then he's like, then nut me up, bitch. And he starts chanting, nut me up, nut me up. Rick opens the portal to leave. Back in like the basement, the ghost falls through the room, and Rick's like, oh, crap. He's like, got to finish this. The ghost says, uh, he's like, oh, looks like you have, you're the one with unfinished business. He's like, mind your own business. Business is my business, and brother, business is good. Rick portals next to the others outside Amy's. Poopy's like, like oh, you come to ruin our fun? He's like, no, to help you finish this, I made you guys come out because I don't want to talk to PB alone. I'm here to go down with the ship. And Hugh's like, respect, Rick. So Gene's like shirtless. Take him back is written on his chest. He has a boom box. He's like, hit it, Hugh. An instrumental cover of Caribbean Queen plays. Hugh starts singing. Amy comes to the window and starts like dancing. And <laughs> Ruby Butthole's like, ooh-wee, there she is, my Amy. She kind of twirls and then she starts floating. And PB's like, my lover is all around her. And it's lifting her up, but it's really Predator PI holding her. He's he like decloaks, and he's like, "This is the opposite of what I hired you for." So Rick says that this could have gone a lot worse. He turns, but PB is gone. So he jumps out a window with their baby. He's like, "Ooh, we gotta go." So he went to kidnap their baby. 
someone says that they're they're too wasted to run from a predator and rick's like we're gonna have to mud up so they jump in the mud you know smear mud on themselves they hide rick and uh pb talk and rick mentions something about you know wearing out your welcome and pb says that you know he's he could have just told them and he's like you're an adult read the room bird person makes him be quiet predator pis in a tree he starts scanning the woods and then pb decides to open like a can of beer it's like really loud and he's like, okay, that was self-destructive. Predator jumps down. Gene yells at him. He's like, use me as a human shield. Bird person swoops in to grab Gene, but they both get caught in this like, tight net. As they're like, slam into the tree, kind of like, digs into their skin a little. Squanchy tries powering up, but then he just ends up throwing up. And he's like, oh, I'm squanched up, man. Predator PI kicks him out of the way. Gearhead tries saying, saying that you know he's not really with these guys, that he was just walking in the park. Predator PI tears off his head, grabs the gears between his legs, and sticks them on his, his face. PB runs up on his back, screaming. He's like, I won't let you take my family from me. He tries hitting him, but it's, obviously there's no effect. Then he just gets swatted back. Rick comes and punches him with, like, rockets around his wrist, and then they all start teaming up against him. Then the little PB kid starts tearing up when he sees that they're... Um, because, you know, they all started teaming up against uh, Predator P.I. So the little kid starts, like, about to start crying. P.B. sees this, and he stops the others. And Rick's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I, I want that skull. And Poopy Butthole's like, no, 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 no more. Just like, this is my fault. He's like, and if he's going to protect my wife and child, that's a great thing to know while I get my poop together. Amy comes out, Wayne. And Rick's like, Wayne. And Poopy Butthole's like, he says that you know he messed up real bad. He's like, I came to say, I don't know what to do without you, but I guess I can start by not kidnapping. And she says that's definitely where he should start. And Poopy Jr. comes holding Predator P.I.'s hand. And Poopy Butthole says that he's sorry. And she says that he should be, but she's not. Because they're a family now. Her, Poopy Jr., and Golkarna, that's guy, God, whatever, that's the Predator... He's a clan leader of the Skin Thieves. And she's like, goodbye, Wayne. Predator um, tosses a, a musket to Poopy Butthole. And then on his wristing, he communicates, I hunt because I must. But man possesses a precious gift, the power to change. And Hugh comes behind him, clocks him on the head with a Grammy. And he's like, more like the power of music, bitch. And Rick's like, Jesus, Hugh, we're just resolving it. He's like, well, I'm an actor and I'm high. And Rick reads the Grammy, Caribou Queen, written by Hugh Jackman, age 16. And he's like, how's that for a twist? And he's like, confusing. He's like, well, sometimes you have to believe. And Poopy Butthole is like, wow, that's real surprise or inspiring. Makes me think of, and Amy yells, get the hell out of here. He's like, okay, okay, sorry. So then Hugh's like, okay, guys, I'm buying drive through tacos, but nobody tell my nutritionist, and we have to steal a car. So in the morning, they sit outside Taco Tamarines, and Rick's like, Wayne, huh? But I prefer Mr. Poopy Butthole, more refined. Um, bird person gets a text. So appears bird daughter broke into like another federal facility or something like that. So he has to go. And they all kind of decide they have to leave. Rick says that he, he wants to pass out before he remembers this night. Poopy Butthole says he never wants to forget it, never wants to repeat it. He pours out his beer, and he's like, it's been a real bonzer night. It's like one for the books. So then <laughs> Poopy Butthole narrates. He's like, yeah, it was a real bonzer night. You know, we kept in touch with the guys over the years as much as you can in this fast world. 
He's like, bird person went home to take on a challenge way more difficult than a predator raising bird daughter. Then he like disappears. Gearhead went back to the gear system, got a spinal replacement. He's still paying for it or whatever, that he disappears. You know, they just like fade away. Squanchy checked himself to nice rehab. No one thought it would stick, and it didn't. He was later arrested for smuggling toad venom across the border. He disappears. Hugh Jackman went back to the Jack Shack and put together the Tony Award, the Gene Shot, because it was so weird. He said he was so, like, the getting the Tony Award was the happiest night of his life or something like that. And then Gene's like, pull. He throws it up, and Gene shoots it, and whoosh, like, you know, blows up. Um, so he went back to put the, the Tony Award together. He's like, and a bullet in all future Wolverine appearances, thanks to us, he disappears. And what about Rick? Wait, who is it? Someone got in a, I think Bird Person got in a cab, and the cab disappeared. He's like, what about Rick? I think he learned something that night about friendship, about honesty, and maybe he learned a little something about himself. And then Rick reappears. He's like, oh, here, forgot to give you a fading pill. <laughs> so that's why they were all fading away. He's like, it's great for hangovers. And just to clarify, I had to take an unfading pill to counteract the original fading pill I just took. He's like, oh, uh, okay. And if you're hung up on why the taxi disappeared, no, it was Gearhead that disappeared. The, yeah. He's like, the pills aren't sentient, but they do detect human coverings. So it's not a taxi, it's some sort of large overcoat. Doesn't matter. So basically, uh, you know, they're disappearing for effect, and then he reappears for whatever reasons, and then they're like overly explaining why you get it. He, so he's like, You're gonna be all right? You got a place to stay? He's like, I can 3D, 3D print you an apartment on the moon. So he's like, I'll figure it out, Rick. Thanks. He's like, Well, here I go, pilling again. Then he fades away. Yeah, don't any of you worry about Mr. Poopy Butthole. And he pops his pill. I got a lot of work to do, but I'll land on my poopy little feet. I always do. Ow! He's like, this burns like hell. How did the other guys not react? Is mine different? It's like my skin is boiling. And he fades away. Then Gene comes out. Guys, I got the Best Buds burrito box. They normally ask for proof of purchase, but the cashier trusted me that you guys were out here. Then the cashier comes out and takes it back. Not cool, man. And he's like, ah. And that's the end. But then the after credits scene, mid-credit, whatever, he's, there's this angry sheriff, like typical sheriff, big mustache, kind of like cowboy hat. There's building smoking behind him. There's other officers like, you don't have to do this, sheriff. It's your last day on the job. That's exactly why I must. I ain't retiring a coward. Now get out of here, officer. Go take care of my granddaughter. So then you see some vehicles approaching down the road. He has a six-shooter, loads it up. He's like, ready. It's actually Gene's tractor mower that's coming at him. He shoots it, and the bullet bounces off. Then he shoots some more, and like bounce, 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 kisses a cross around his neck, takes a look at his locket under, kisses like several other, like all these different things around his neck, keeps shooting. Um, then he starts singing like some hymn or something like that. He's run out of bullet, throws the, the gun at, a, at, at the, the lawnmower, and then it hits him and starts running him over. He gets chopped up, and then it kind of stops. Oh, there is also like a pen is like world's most superstitious man or something like that. So, but then the lawnmower stops and the officer's like, what happened? And the other officer's like, I think it just ran out of gas. So the first one's like, so he could have survived if he just stood back five feet. And then the other one's like, well, let's not tell his granddaughter that. And then that's the end. So it's like, <laughs> okay. So yeah, um, a little <laughs> poor, poor guy. And that was it. So it was a, you know, it was... I enjoyed the episode. I don't feel like it was like one of the best episodes. 
I don't know. I mean, maybe I was like Mr. Poopy Butthole, and he was a little annoying here, which he's supposed to be. But it, I, th- I feel like it was a fun episode, even though it just got a little extreme. But that's fine. So that was a uh, that was a uh, Rick and Morty. All right, then Chucky, season three, episode three, Jennifer's body. What's interesting, and I was watching this, you know, been watching this season. I'm like, I feel like I missed something. How did like how did Chucky end up in a White House and all that? So apparently, I didn't miss it. So this goes back last January. We see Chucky in a hotel room. He's about to kill Tiffany. Uh, she's in Jennifer Tilly's body. Uh, so that's where like the last episode of last season ended. Then there's a knock on the door at a hotel room. So you know, Chucky's got the knife up. He has to stop. Then he falls over like he's a regular doll. Several police officers like bust in. Tiffany's on the floor screaming. You know, there's still like the candles on the floor from the ceremony they did. They kind of like kick Chucky out of the way. And then one officer's like, Jennifer Tilly, you're under arrest for the murder in first first degree or something like that. And she's like, what murder? And she's like, murder is such a vague term. And the officer's like, the murder of Michelle Cross. She's like, I didn't kill her, Chucky did. And then you see someone pick up Chucky, which might've been Caroline, right? Cause she was there. T- uh, Tiffany Jennifer's like she's brought out of a hotel her wig's been removed um, there's like a crowd out, out there but before they put her in a squad car she cries out she's like my book where's my book and she's like she took my book so she tries going back in there and she tells the officer it's called voodoo's for dummy and then as she's sitting in the back of the squad car she sees Nika in a crowd in her wheelchair with her like metal robot arms and then the car leaves and then Nika sees Caroline and Chucky in the street and then they like Chucky like mouth something to her, and then they leave. Nika tries chasing after him, and she's rolling after him. They reach the subway stairs and like, get like halfway, and then Chucky like tells Caroline to stop. He's like laughing because he tells her wait, and he's like, "What's wrong, Nika? Cat got your legs?" <laughs> then um, the Caroline's like, "You two know each other?" He's like, "Oh yeah, we go way back." Nika tries talking to Caroline, you know, asks her to you know give her the doll. And she's like, what happened to your hands? And Nika's like, well, whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Is that right, Chucky? He's like, could have fooled me. So he mentions that Tiffany did it because she's crazy. Nika tells Chucky that this isn't over, not by a long shot. And he's like, of course not. He's like, we're just getting started. And he's like, we're going to have a lot of fun. See you around. Then they go down and get onto a subway train. On the street, you know, Chucky's whistles for taxi. They get in. The driver, at first I was like, is that? The driver's Keenan Thompson. And he's like, oh, there's a storm coming. He's like, do you have a raincoat, sweetheart? And Chucky's like, just drive, sweetheart. And he's like, whoa, the doll talks? He's like, mind your own fudging business, okay? And then the driver's like, oh, that's one of those AI interactive robots, right? He's like, I saw those on TV for lonely kids. So it's supposed to be like Megan, I guess. He's like, hey, Chatty Kathy, eyes on the road. And Caroline asked him, he's like, well, what's next? And he's like, I think it's time we pay some of my old friends a visit. And so he takes out his phone. He has a list of people on his phone to kill. So there's Andy, Kyle, Tiffany, Nika, Jake, Devin, and Lexi. He's like, no need to worry about Tiffany now. He's like, the rest aren't for a surprise. And he asked her if she has any special friends. And she's like, well, I never liked my first great teacher. I forgot what her name was. He's like, the more the merrier. So he adds her to the list. Then he says that he always thought that she had potential. And, you know, he asked her if she's ever killed. And she says she's never done it before. She's like, I'm only eight. And he's like, well, it's never too late to start. The driver, you know, he's kind of listening. He's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, killing people. Then the driver's like, okay, that's it. He's like, the ride's over. He's like, that was freaking me out. He pulls over. And then Chucky manages to pull his seat 
down somehow. Because he just reached and pulled it down. So somehow he pulls the seat back. There's a, I think there's a kid's umbrella on the floor. I don't think it was, was Caroline's. But he takes the umbrella, shoves it down a driver's throat, and then just keeps shoving it down. Blood's like spurting out now. It's like some spurts on Caroline. And he push, push it, like pushes it all the way down. Then he, he pushes the button on the, on the umbrella, and it kind of opens a little bit, and like blood like sprays on the windows. I don't think a kid's umbrella would be strong enough to do that, to open. And then he's like, was that seven years bad luck? And she's like, I thought that was mirrors. He's like, yeah. So then Lexi's doing a video. Her sister was spotted in Times Square. She's asking if anyone's heard anything. She's worried. Andy's on the phone with uh, Kyle. And, you know, she, he's like, oh, you got a dog? And Andy said that, you know, he never thought the day would come. Chucky's dead. They can go on with their lives. But apparently Chucky's watching from outside. He sneaks into the house. The door's open. He jumps up from behind because, you know, Andy was on a chair. He injects him with, like, a needle. Andy starts to wake up. He's tied to the bed. Chucky's just, like, sitting on him, and he's holding a knife. He's like, just like the old days, huh? Kind of kinky. Then Andy starts screaming. He's like, help, help, what? And Chucky's like, go ahead and scream. There's no one around for miles. He's like, how'd you find me? He's like, Caroline found you. And she's sitting on a chair. She's reading the Voodoo for Dummies book. The kid's a real whiz on a computer. And she's like, I'm his new friend to the end. And he's like, Caroline, you don't have to do this. And she's like, I'm not. I'm just observing. And he's like, killing it is wrong. Chucky like rolls his eyes. He's like, you got too comfortable. How many times have I tried to kill you? You're my white whale, my Moby dickhead. And Andy's like, you're actually trying to make literary reference? And he's like, I've waited a long time for this, Andy, and I'm going to enjoy it. He starts stabbing him in the chest. This scene was a little rough. Like some of the CG was there. But he's like, stabs him in the shoulder. Like a bunch of, like shoulder chest. So not like dead center in the chest. Maybe it was just for the camera to angle, whatever. And Caroline kind of smiles. And then he starts, stabs his face a little bit. And then he almost like stabs his eye and back to the chest. And then we see Chucky lying in bed. So at first I'm like, wait, was he just dreaming that? But I think it really did happen, which um, I guess there's no clarification if it really did or not. But I'm assuming it did. So either way, it looks like they, they have an out. They may have killed Andy, which I think is kind of crazy. I mean, it may, maybe it's about time, but it's nice thinking that he's, you know, been able to survive all this time and, and be, you know, Chucky's white whale. So we'll have to see. They could easily have him pop up and then just like, oh, that was just a dream. It didn't happen because... Well, anyways, so Chucky's in a the motel room and he notices there's hair on his pillow and he t- touches his head and there's more hair in his hands. He looks in the mirror and, you know, he's like looking at his face and everything. Caroline's sleeping in the other bed and he takes the voodoo book out of her hand. And he like flips to the, the page with the spell and it's like, what do you do if you find yourself aging? And it's like, step one, vacate the vessel. So obviously he's going to try to do the spell on, on Caroline or anything like that. But then she like wakes up and he's like, morning, how'd you sleep? And she's like, I could have told you this, that wouldn't work. She's like, I read the book cover to cover. If you find yourself aging, that means you need to see a doctor. So I don't know if she was could hear. I, I don't know how she knew that that's what he's doing. Maybe she saw the page. I don't know. And he's like, is it noticeable? How old do you think I look? She's like, I don't know. Three? <gasps> Two? <laughs> it was funny. Whatever. So then it cuts to last May prison. Tiffany gets a visitor. And then she's like, you're not the producer of Dateline. So it's actually Lexi. And, you know, Tiffany asks, you know, how is she? 
she says she's really sorry about her mom. And she said that, you know, she told Chucky that killing a mom would be tacky. You know, she's really sorry. And Lexi says that she's sorry that she's standing trial in Texas because that probably means a death sentence, I'm, I'm assuming. Then she's like, actually, I'm not sorry. Then she says Tiffany was the last person to see her sister. She's like, where is she? Tiffany's like, I don't know. And Lexi's like, that's BS. And then the guard's like, time's up, which is crazy because there are other prisoners there and they're, they're still sitting there. No one's moving, you know, because they're all like the different glasses. And then Tiffany whispers, Chucky took her. She's like, no, I killed him. And then, you know, uh, Tiffany's like, no, there was one more. She's like, remember the bell doll, you know, your sister had? That was Chucky and Drag. And she's like, what? Where, where are they? But the guard takes Tiffany away. And she's like, you know, screaming at them. Then it goes to last June. Austin, Texas. Nika is called as a witness. Uh, and other people, you know, Jake, uh, Devin, Lexi, Mrs. Fa Mrs. Fairchild, they're all there. Nika's asked how she was acquainted with, with uh, Ms. Tilly. And she said that you know, Jennifer Tilly kidnapped her and dismembered her, she held her hostage for over a year, during which she witnessed her murder nine or witnessed her kill nine people. And uh, then she forced her to watch <laughs> Liar Liar over on a, on a loop. And the lawyer's like, that's horrible to hear. I don't know if she meant the whole kidnap dismemberment stuff like that or watching Liar Liar over and over. The lawyer mentions that, you know, she was also accused of murders, you know, in her past. And Nika's like, I was acquitted of those after Jennifer's arrest. And the lawyer's like, she even confessed to the murders of your families long before you even met. And she's like, even on nights when she had an ironclad alibi. She's like, now why would she do that? And Nika's like, I didn't kill my family. And the lawyer's like, well, why would she confess to it? And then Tiffany stands up and screams, because I love you. And Nika's like, because she's fudging crazy. And, you know, she yells some more. And then the judge pounds on the gavel. And he tells Miss Tilly to sit down. The lawyer excuses Nika, calls the next witness. So then you know, it's kind of like, you know, different cut scenes. Jake's like, she's a monster. Devin says she's a complete psychopath. Lexi says, even her fashion sense is deranged. And, you know, she also said, did I mention she kidnapped my sister? So Caroline and Chuck are, are sitting in a waiting room. They're reading a magazine. Um, so at first I'm like, wait, because there's this dude next next to the, this lady's on the phone. I forget what she was talking about. And, you know, she like sits and there's this guy next to her, has a box, something's moving. And she's like, what's what's in there? And he's like, my ex or something like that. So it's like, wait, what? And and then the the nurse calls Charles Lee Ray. So Chucky hops down off Caroline's lap and walks back. So I'm like, wait, what kind of doctor is this? So obviously it's not a regular doctor. So we see Chucky sitting on an exam table. He's wearing a gown. The doc comes in. He's like a regular doctor. And he's like not even phased the fact that there's this like living doll here. Chucky says to the doctor that he's not what he expected. And the doctor's like, well, I'll have goats and chickens next time. So he's like, I am aware, you know, who you are and your reputation, you know, precedes you. So he makes Chucky turn his, <laughs> he reaches under, he makes him turn his head and cough. It's like, okay. But the thing is, he's not even wearing gloves. So it's like ill even though it's a doll but still he listens to his heart he tells him open his mouth say ah and he jumps back he's like that's unusual mr ray he's like have you been practicing other religions lately he's like never and he's like nothing in recent memory you know friends lovers um you know dabbling in say christianity well i was sort of involved in an exorcism last year he's like oh dear he's like what can't be that bad mr ray you have been inflicted with christian magic I haven't heard this happening since the 11th century. And Chucky asks, he's like, well, can't, can't we just do a sacrifice or something? And Doc's like, you have to pray to Dumbala or something like that. And Chucky 
says, he's like, well, you mentioned this happened in the 11th century. What happened to that guy? And he's like, he died. He's like, you're dying, Mr. Ray. And Chucky laughs. Is that all? You had me scared for a second. I've died lots of times. I always come back. Not from this, you don't. Can't I just jump in another body or something? I don't think you understand me, Mr. Ray. Dumbala has abandoned you. Without him, you have no power. And Chucky's like, well, there's got to be something I can do. I was like, I can't die. I got people to kill. I got plans. The doctor prints out this sheet and says that, you know, this hasn't been attempted since the Crusades. And Chucky says, he's like, I'll try anything. And Doc says it'll take an evil of a magnitude that even he can't comprehend. So Chucky's like, oh, I'm intrigued. At the courthouse, Tiffany Jennifer is called to the stand. Then she said, when they read her name, she's like, it's actually Tiffany Valentine. She's like, I've just been using Jennifer Tilly's body. She mentions that, you know, she was Charlie Ray's girlfriend. Uh, she got shocked in a bath or whatever. She was put in a doll's body. Um, then she went to Hollywood, started stalking Jennifer, uh, the voodoo, all that stuff. Prosecuting lawyer asks, you know, what's what's the point of this charade? And a judge is like, oh, I'm starting to wonder that too. So the lawyer says that her point is to show that she's not guilty by reason of insanity. She's not responsible for her actions. She says that, you know, they're... They've seen actors struggle to get back to normal after going deep into the roles. So she, she's like, I call it the Austin, Austin Butler effect. It took that poor man months to lose the Elvis accent. So she says that you know Jennifer Tilly played a serial killer in a Chucky movie, and now she believes that she's Tiffany Valentine. Then it cuts to Amityville, Long Island. Chucky and Caroline are dropped off from a, like an Uber or whatever. He says that, he's like, oh, look at that. It's a Dutch colonial. The most evil houses are always Dutch colonial. Amityville, Elm Street, Twin Peaks. So shout out to Twin Peaks. And he's like, what the fudge is up with the Dutch? There's, uh, Caroline walks up to the, the house. There's like a dinner party or something going on. There's a bunch of people in there. Chucky says that the doc said he has to make six sacrifices to Dumbala. And he's like, so if you want to crack at one or two, be my guest. And she's like, no, that's okay. I'll just watch. So it's it seems like that, you know, she's a... Uh, even though she's involved with this, she hasn't done anything, which is good because, you know, she's only eight or whatever. You know, she, it would be weird to have an eight-year-old killer. I don't know. I feel like it would take the show even darker, even though we had a guy get an umbrella shoved down his throat. So Caroline knocks on the door. This dude answers, and it looks like she, you know, she's been crying. And she's like, please, mister, can you help me? I'm lost. And he's like, of course. Like, Come on in. And then from the outside, you know, shot of the house, you hear people start screaming. But it's like, it's one little doll. I don't know. It's just like, you know, you, you, you kick the doll and it, it, whatever. At the end, Chucky does like a, a mic drop but with a knife. So a knife drop. Everyone is dead. There's like people dismembered. Then he starts reciting like a voodoo chant. And, is you know, she's, uh, Caroline's like, is something supposed to happen? He tries again. And she's like, look at your hands. So, so they're a little wrinkly and stuff like that. He starts cursing and, you know, Caroline covers her ears. And he says that, you know, the house wasn't evil enough. So he tells her that he has to think bigger or something like that. Next day in court, jury finds Jennifer guilty of 103 murders in the first degree. And the kids and teacher hug. And Nika, like, rolls out. So everything's good. Caroline is, is outside the gates of a big house. So I guess that, you know, they have to say goodbye. Chucky says that, you know, they've had such great times. They hug and, you know, she puts makeup on his face and, and hands. Then, you know, she says that he'll need to reply it in 12 hours. Then it cuts to a funeral. The president's there, his wife, Grant and Henry, so they're at Joseph's grave. So the other kid who died. And, you know, Henry's just kind of crouched down, you know, looking at the ground, not really, you know, processing what's going on. 
then he sees a Chucky doll like on the other side of a tombstone, and then it's like it it kind of moves and it, it, you know the head jerks and, and it's like hi I'm Joseph I'll be your friend to the end Heidi ho ha 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 the laugh was a little different than usual so Henry smiles and a mom like sees his reaction I haven't seen him like that in months and then he like looks like can I keep it and they're like uh, and the mom's like yeah sure you know she's like she's the one that kind of makes that decision because she's you know, just seeing his reaction so they're just sentencing for Jennifer Tilly. Uh, she's to get. Uh, she's sentenced to death by lethal injection, and she starts cursing at her lawyer. Lawyer's like, "Oh, we can still appeal," and she's like, "You're fired." And then Nika kind of rolls in front of her. She's like being taken out, and she says that she's getting what her what she deserves. Tiffany's like, "Have you talked to Gigi?" And Nika's like, "Yeah." She's like, "I talk to them every day. They're doing great away from you and Chucky." Tiffany's like, "Well, give them my love." And Nika says that when the curtain goes up, you know, when she's injected, that she'll be there to watch her die, and. Or she says that also she'll she'll roll her chair over her fudging grave. So then the first family rolls up to the White House. Henry's carrying Chucky. Um, the president kind of takes it. He gives it to Teddy, uh, the the Secret Service guy. He asks him to check it out, and, and then they put it through an X-ray machine. And you can see like real skeleton and everything like that. The guy watching is like, oh, there's, there's quite the attention to detail. Then they all get in the elevator, and Henry's sleeping with Chucky. The parents check on him, and you know they close the door. They leave. Chucky looks like he has a big smile. And then next week is the mid-season finale. It's like, wait, what? So we got four episodes and then they're taking a break. But I guess, you know, if, um, well, see, I don't, I, I mean, I wonder if we're getting, I'm assuming we're getting a full season. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Were they able to film everything? Hopefully. I would think if they didn't film the entire season, they wouldn't have started it. I don't know. We'll see. So that was a. That was Chucky. I mean, it, it was good that they they went back and showed us like what happened because I was I, I honestly I felt like I missed something and part of it is just with the gap. I mean, it wasn't that long since the last season, but I don't know, maybe I just too much in my mind. But it, it was interesting to to see and because uh, I was I was like, how the heck did he get into the White House? I was like, I felt like I totally missed something. It makes sense now. So it's just it was weird, but whatever, silly me. So that was Chucky. Okay, Loki, season two, episode three, eighteen ninety three. I I, I like this. I like this episode. Yeah, it was um. There's there's some some cool things. A spoiler, you know, we we finally have uh, Jonathan Majors. We have you know he who remains, and uh, it's it's interesting with how things go down, and um, not really sure where it's going to go from here. I'm not sure if that picked up. Uh, the cat got was locked in the room and he wanted out. Uh, so it starts off I, because it's 1893. It starts off with a, you know, the Marvel music, the opening, but it's a kind of like old timey style, like on the piano. So I thought that that was, was clever. The episode starts out in Chicago. You see like these old shacks, you know, old buildings, whatever time door opens. Renslayer steps out. She has like a baton, you know, one of the stun batons and she like steps into like a mud puddle and we find out, even though the episode's called 1893, she's actually in 1868. And then the screen tells us it's a sacred timeline. And she has a satchel with her. She's like, this can't be the right place. And then she wonders where she is. So it's like, who's she talking about? Obviously, it's uh, Miss Minutes because she's in a barn behind her. And then Renslayer asks, you know, why is she here? She, you know, she told her that she was going to go somewhere important. And then she was going to meet someone important. And Miss Minutes like, did you bring what I asked? And Renslayer's like, answer me. And she's like, first things first, 
do you have it? And Renslayer takes out a little package, which looks like it could be a book. And Miss Minutes says, do you see that window over there? That important person you're going to meet? The one at the end of time? He told <laughs> I don't know if I should bother trying to do the, the accent. He told me that we need to put this package in that window. And Renslayer's like, that's it? And Miss Minutes like, what do you mean, that's it? It was his plan. It meant to protect all time. And Renslayer's like, well, then why didn't he do it? He's dead. And she's like, what? That was the plan he made when he knew the end was near for him. And Renslayer's like, what do I get in return? When he's back where he belongs atop the TVA, you and I will be right by his side. So inside that other building, there's a kid like pouring stuff into beakers. And Renslayer drops a book through the window. Then he like looks out the window, doesn't see anyone, picks it up. And, and, and you know, looks at it. it's it's a book, it's a TVA manual. They're they're giving him the information before he has the information because obviously that's he who remains, right? Loki, Casey, and Obi are staring at a screen. They're trying to figure out how to get into the system, stop everything. Obi says that you know he doesn't know without you know he who remains temporal aura. He's, you know, he's not sure how they're gonna do that. B fifteen asks how much time do they have and. Obi says that it's stable right now, but the branches that docks the, the general prune are growing back. If they can't get in there, increase the diameter of the loom's intake ring enough to boost through throughput through the whatever, clear the knot of unrefined time. And Loki, and exactly. Loki's like, uh, put it in simpler terms. So he's like, you know, we need to scale the loom's capacity to manage all those new branches. Otherwise, it will fail and the TVA will be destroyed and we're all going to die. So Loki's like, there has to be another way. And Moby's like, we can hack into the system. And Obi's like, like, no. He's like, we're all going to die still. Because they, they can't hack into it. And Casey asks, so he's like, well, what about Ms. Minutes? You know, can she open up uh, access to the loom? Obi says that she has administered her access to the entire TVA. And Moby says that, you know, she can access the whole universe. It doesn't really matter if she's gone or if she's AWOL. She's like, you know, how are we going to find a little rogue cartoon clock that doesn't want to be found? And then there's like loud creaking from, you know, outside the shutters, whatever. And Loki's like, I'd say the sooner we find her, the better. Casey says that they know Miss Minute sent information to Renslayer, then they never saw her again. So they figure, find Renslayer, find Miss Minutes. Uh, you know, Mobius says, like, well, that's going to be an awkward reunion face to face with the woman who tried to kill us. In 1868, Loki and Mobius exit a time door. Mobius says that they got a hit on a temp pad right here. So, you know, Chicago, 1868. Um, to the same spot, 1893. And Loki's like, why would you go to the same place twice? And he's like, I, I'm trying to connect the dots. He's like, this isn't a pivot point in history. And Loki's like, any major figure arise from here? And he's like, no, I mean, you know, you had the Chicago fire, but that was 1871. And so Loki's like, let's go to 1893. Then through another time door, things are different and there's like a like county fair it's like something's going on and but all the little buildings are gone and loki's like this can't be the same place and moby's like it's like oh yes he's like how could i have forgotten chicago's world fair 1893 and the screen now the screen says it's a branch timeline he's like the white city edison hh holmes yes hot air balloons he's like excited loki's like this will make more sense as a destination you're saying they went to 1868 by mistake then went 25 years ahead because this is where they wanted to be he's like no no it's like i wouldn't describe renslayer as accident prone plus if she has miss minutes to help her there's definitely a purpose of them going there 
you know, earlier. We just got to figure it out. And if they're here, we'll find them. And Loki's like, if they're here. One way to find out, you start by looking. A little good old-fashioned legwork. Clues, breadcrumbs, that sort of thing. And a newspaper kid walks by reading headlines. And like when his ghost clock continues to haunt the midway. So they both turn buy a paper there's a drawing like some people running from a big cartoon clock with a kind of angry face and he's like what do you call that Loki's like breadcrumb so a little later they've been looking all over they have like some popcorn I guess it's Cracker Jack which I don't know if it's regular Cracker Jack Mobius is you know saying he's like well the concession stands a high traffic you know so it makes sense to go there and getting food is a bonus Loki thinks that he's just sightseeing and Moby says that he's saying that because he hasn't tasted his yet. Loki takes them. It tastes like ash. And Moby says that, that they just have different styles. Loki's a man of action, which is fine. He takes a more slow, deliberate, cerebral approach. Because he sees everything. He notices everything. And then uh, Loki's like, you haven't seen that you got some Cracker Jack on your chin. He's like, hmm? He's like, ah, so damn sticky. <laughs> so they, they come to theater with like some wooden statues of Baldar... Uh, Odin and Thor and Loki's like you've got to be kidding me and and Moby's like does it make you homesick he's like no it's completely inaccurate first of all and he's like what he's like you don't think that looks like Odin Loki's like it's embarrassing it's a crass generalization you can't reduce an entire culture down to a simple diorama such poverty of imagination and Moby's like is someone feeling a little left out because they weren't up there he's like no and he's like and why did it include Baldar no one's even heard of him sure they have Baldar the Brave? Sometimes I forget. You're one of them. And he whispers, like, you're one of them. Blows my mind. And then he's like, Thor's not that tall. So Mobius, you know, walks off a bit. He's like looking at the paper. Says that, you know, they haven't been to the Ottoman Hippodrome where the ghost clock was spotted. And then there's uh, the balloon park. And he's like, that sounds like it could be fun. Maybe we... Then looks like, Mobius, look. So there's a sign for a show tonight. And it says... Um, Ferdinand King or something like that uh, Victor Timely's Astounding Temporal Marvels and there's like some other names Henrietta Bauer, Karl Baum, Graf and Moby's like, you know, he's like temporal, he's like, that can't be a coincidence so look, he says that that's what are, where they'll find Renslayer inside, there's like a band on stage, the room is pretty packed Renslayer's walking with a big bag Miss Minutes is demanding that she opens the bag so she can see, but Renslayer is saying that you know, staying in the bag. She's staying in there until she tells her otherwise. And she's like, this is it. And then Loki and Mobius walk in. And again, the place is crowded. But Mobius does see her across the room. And he wants to go over, but Loki stops him. So then the, the curtains behind the band open. You know, the band left the stage. The lights dim. And Mobius like, is that the loom? And Loki's like, I think so. So there's a man on stage. He's like in the shadows. He has a little lantern. Time is everything it moves through each and every one of us it shapes our lives our future so it's like weird the way he kind of like talks but perhaps we can shape and then the lights go on and you can see that it's it's he who remains so loki whispers it's him and moby's like who he who remains and he's like what he's like you made him sound like a terrifying figure he and he's like he is so he's like, don't be shocked when I tell you that time is the future of energy. And it's like drunk, like white dude, whatever. It's like, and just what would you know about the future, boy? He's like, great question. Great question. And the answer is more than you, you might think. 
So then still whispering, Loki's like, we can't just stand here. It's one of his variants that he who remains warned me about. It's coming. It's the beginning. And Moby's like, look where we are. Does he look like he's about to conquer all of time? Uh, the guy on stage, he's like, why should we toil in the dirt for coal and petroleum when the energy of the past, present, and future flows? And he puts this piece from his lantern on the part of like the loom, and it lights up all around us. My temporal loom inverts the temporal decay of the electricity flowing through it, lowering its entropy and gathering it into the fine threads of power, which it then weaves into elegant ropes of voltage, a chaos, a chaos of particles is transformed into order. With my device, the wattage Edison uses to light a single bulb can light the whole of Chicago. And then he's like, so he can light a few bulbs, big deal. You'll need a lot more than that to light up a whole city. And he's like, don't misunderstand me, sir. I do not want to light a city. He pulls a lever and like two more parts like are revealed on the side of the stage. I aim to light, to power the entire planet. So call it a dream, fine. Laugh it off as pure science fiction. But if it can be dreamed, it can be achieved because all science is fiction until it is fact. And then there's lots of like crazy electrical energies like shooting off all over like the device. Welcome, welcome to the future, my friends. The crowd applauds. Mobius says that they need to get him and that device back to the TVA. And Loki's like, are you out of your mind? You can't trust a variant of he who remains in the TVA. And he's like, that's a later problem. We have a very serious now problem. And Loki's like, the loom, yes. And his aura is the only thing that can get us access to the loom. And who knows what else he can do. So then Victor timely comes off the stage, goes into the crowd. Renslayer goes up to him and asks for a moment, please. And she's like, we need to talk about your future. So Mobius sees that she's talking to him. Timely's like, take as many moments as you like. But then some white dudes come up and they tell Renslayer, step aside. They're like, that's quite a device you got there, Timely, but I still have some doubts. He's like, oh, it's still a prototype, albeit one that many wealthy investors are competing to acquire. He's like, no, no, I was thinking more along the lines of a partnership. You give me the patent rights and I'll facilitate production. And Timely's like, no, I don't do partners. And he like walks through the crowd some more. This other dude comes up. He says that you know, he simply must have his temporal loom. It appears my presentation has piqued much interest. And then he stands up on like something. Ladies and gentlemen, I will be taking all formal bids. So then the dude's like, perhaps 500 would conclude the bidding. But then the first guy says, I'll give you six. And it's like seven, eight, eight fifty. Then the first guy tells the others, like, step aside. He's like, I was here first. And then he's like, $1,000. And that's my final offer. So I guess his name is Robert Barron, according to closed caption. And he's like, I suggest you take it. And Timely kind of smiles. You know, he has his back to him, turns around. I believe we have a deal. So they give him like a stack of cash. And he's like, it's a pleasure doing business with you. Loki tries to go after him, but then this big dude kind of steps in his way. He's like, hey, clown, you stepped on my foot. So Loki's like, ah. he's like, I do apologize. I assure you, any physical contact was purely incidental. But then Timely, um, he walks by the bar. He puts a bill under some guy's like hat that's, that's sitting there. Renslayer watches, and she's like, that's the man who's destined to become he who remains? You sure your plan is going to work? And Miss Minute's like, I told you, it's not my plan. It's his plan. And quit your worrying. With our help, he'll be all that he's meant to become. So Mobius says, Loki's like, he's getting away. Will you handle this, please? 
the big dude's like, how about we settle this outside? And he knocks Loki's derby off because they're dressed in a time period. And he's like, outside, <laughs> excellent suggestion. I agree. Raises his hand and poof, the, the dude's gone like yellow and green sparkles and smoke. And Mobius says loudly to Hoson, it's like, the amazing Loki, everyone. He'll be here all week. And they applaud. So they think it's like just a trick. Outside, Renslayer calls out the timely, says that she needs to talk to with, with him about something. And then Robert Baron comes out yelling, find him. And Time's like, uh, he says, like, we should, uh, perhaps we should walk and talk. So Mobius and Loki exit as well. Loki gives uh, the big dude that was just inside a salute. He's like locked outside in some animal cage or something like that. Mobius reaches him. And he, he's like, Mr. Timely, my associate and I want to discuss a business venture. And Renslayer's like, I beg your pardon. Mobius tells her that it's only going to take a minute. And Timely asks, do you all know each other? And he's like, unfortunately, old friends. And she's like, colleagues. He's like, a reunion. And she's like, I can hardly remember. Then this councilman dude comes up with some trousers. He said that, that Victor Timely sold him. He wants his money back because they don't work. Timely, he seems like he crouches a little bit and he says, he's like, oh, but you seem taller to me. And he says that they were a prototype, so perhaps he could stop by next week, make some adjustments and stuff like that. So then they walk and Loki comments that he's a confidence trickster. And he's like, luminary is the word you're looking for. He's like, my ideas are just ahead of their time. And Loki's like, why wouldn't they be? And Victor's like, the concepts are bona fide. I just need the crude technology of this era to catch up with my visionary mind. And Loki's like, I never doubted you for a second. Enlightened fellows never do. And Loki's like, of course. Then that Baron dude yells that the invention's a fake. Timely excuses himself and he runs. He tries like hiding behind a post, but then he gets seen. He runs up to the Ferris wheel and goes in. He's like, I got to cut the line. So then the Baron and his men follow. But uh, Timely actually ducked and I like, crawled out after you know they got in the big carriage thing. Um, at the same time, B-15 calls Mobius, and she says that they have a development. And he's like, well, we have one here, too. He's like, turns out, you know, we have something better than Miss Minutes. We have a, a he who remains variant, so we can use his temporal aura. And she's like, okay, uh, heads up. Casey has had a really weird tempad reading. And he's like, what? What weird? Like, dangerous? Where? And she's like, about uh, 10 feet from where you're standing. So Loki grabs Timely and says, it's, you know, he's really good at getting away, so they have that in common. But then a blade appears. Sylvia's there. And Loki's like, no. And she tells him to stay out of this. And Loki's like, just wait for a second. And you know, she's like, you've done enough. So get out of my face and let me finish the job. Outside, Renslayer and Mobius see like what's going on because they're like in, in the carriage. And she's like, great. You let Sylvie track you here? And Mobius like, did it occur to you that maybe she tracked you here? It's like, why don't you tell me what's going on? Come on, just between us. What are you up to? And she laughs. She's like, we don't work together anymore, Mobius. It's like, I don't have to tell you anything. He's like, yeah. And look where not working together has gotten you. It's like, you're a fugitive. So Sylvie says, uh, you know, she's like, when you showed up out of nowhere to ruin my life, you asked me what I would do if one of his variants turned up. And I told you then I'd kill him. So Timely's like, it's like what's going on? Loki's like, we need him. Without his help, the TVA will be destroyed. And she's like, good, let it burn. He's like, do you care about anything but the TVA? Victor's like, the TVA? And he pulls out the book. The Time Variance Authority? So Sylvie, like, lunges again, but, you know, Loki, you know, stands in front. He's like, I know you just want to be left alone to live a life on your branch. I understand that. But 
If the loom fails and the TVA is destroyed, there won't be a life to go back to. Not for you, not for anyone, and we can't fix it without him. So Renslayer tells Mobius that he's the one who sided with Loki over her. So, you know, don't play the teamwork card on her now. And he's like, can I play the you trying to kill me card? It's like, does that get me anywhere? Because the TVA is melting down and he's the key to fixing the loom. We're running out of time. We need your help. And she's like, no, Mobius, there is no we, not anymore. Sylvie starts like levitating timely. He's like freaking out. And she's like, stopping that place from being destroyed and fixing it are two very, very different things. And working with one of his variants is not going to get you either. And Loki's like, well, your machete hasn't solved any problems thus far. And she's like, do you think I want to be here? Do you think I'm going to get any joy out of killing that man? Loki's like, then don't. So she uses her powers like to grab the book from him, tosses it to Loki. And she's like, where do you think he got that book? If you and the TVA hadn't messed with him, he'd have remained harmless. But instead, you weaponized him. Loki's like, what are you talking about? She's like, Renslayer set him on a path that he wasn't meant for. And now you're waltzing him straight back into the TVA. The thief of all free will. The most dangerous man who ever lived. Loki's like, Sylvie, I've never met this man in my life. I didn't give him this book. I never heard of his name, you know, the name Victor Timely until today. I was shocked when I saw his face too. Maybe you're right. Maybe we should just throw him off the Ferris wheel. But we need him. The TVA needs him. The lives they protect need him. And she's like, you haven't got a clue, have you? And they, there's like a little like scuff fighting between them. And he's like, those lives, your home, are in danger. Right now, he may be our best hope at saving them. And she's like, this is all very familiar, isn't it? I can't let him live. And, you know, both their hands start glowing. But then the door behind timely opens up she blasts both of them out but you know they're at the bottom so they just like land out there so that wasn't really the best move then renslayer runs up to timely robber baron also yells like you got nowhere to run renslayer tells miss minutes that this is her moment so she pops out of the bag stands on on timely's body and it gets really big and she kind of turns like kind of ghost like at the bottom you know like almost looks like sort of like a pac-man ghost and she's like boo so people scream and run because she's like uh like maybe like four stories tall, you know, like or as big as a Ferris wheel, however tall it is. So Renslayer pulls Timely away, and he says that he has so many questions. Sylvie comes out and tells Loki that this is on him, which is kind of silly because she's one that knocked them out. There. Then Mobius comes up with a like a two seater bike, a, a tandem bike or whatever, and Loki's like, absolutely not. So Timely took Renslayer and Ms. Minutes to some place to his place, I guess it was. And he, he's like, you'll, you'll love this. You know, make yourself comfortable. So he has her Renslayer sit in a chair. And he kind of like rolls out a little bit. And he's like, says, you know, one knob controls the temperature. And it can go down to 40 degrees. And he pulls out a bottle from underneath. And she's like, oh, a refrigerator chair. And he like probably, he's like, touch it. So Miss Minutes chimes in. So did you like my performance back there? And she kind of turns ghostly. Ooh and timely applauds he's like not even like shocked or anything to see her he's like bravo it was a it was marvelous a bit creepy and then he asks renslayer is if this apparition is her helper and miss minutes like uh no i'm a fully conscious and sentient artificial intelligence entity and i have a name miss minutes he's like oh excuse me mademoiselle minutes you are absolutely singular and she's like, why, thank you. You're pretty singular yourself. At least you will be. And he's like, how do you mean? And Renslayer's like, it's complicated. And he's like, ladies, 
It's high time someone tells me exactly what is going on. So Renslayer sits him down. So a long time ago, far from now, a different time, a version of you created an entity called the Time Variance Authority, which is weird that she calls the whole thing an entity. Uh, I don't know, but that's what she said. But then she's like, but two variants of the same Norse god murdered him, which resulted in the creation of a new timeline, or new timelines, which would each see the birth of countless different versions of you. And Victor's like, are you saying I created the TVA? She's like, something like that. And Miss Minutes starts saying, she's like, oh, you know, if it's too much for you, he's like, no, no, it's like the story of myself that I always imagine is true. And Renslayer's like, did you hear the murder part? That is why you need me by your side. I'll keep you safe. And Miss Minutes kind of scoffs. And he's like, and the two of you work for the TVA? And Miss Minutes like, well, even before the TVA or her, you created me. And we were together at the end of time. I'm here because I know what a great man you can become. And you, Mrs. And she's like, Miss Ravona. I'm just looking to restore stability to TVA. Our loom, a device not unlike your prototype that you had on stage, is in trouble and it needs you. So Victor's like, that's not dissimilar to what the wizard gentleman said to me on the Ferris wheel. And his butler? And she's like, they can't be trusted. Why not? And Miss Minutes like, Loki helped murder your variant. It's And Renslayer's like, it's true. But then he, Victor's like, but he was protecting me. And then Ravona's like, hmm. He's like, he switches sides. It's a well-documented behavioral trait. But then there's a loud pounding on the door. He's like, it's time to go. And Ravona's like, don't you want to see who it is? It's Robert Baron. He's like yelling to open the door. She's like, we could just take a time door. And and Miss Minutes like, are you crazy? They'll track us. And she's like, it don't matter if we go straight you know, to the TVA. But then Victor's like, I'm not going anywhere until I have my latest prototype. It's in my lab across the lake. So they're like, Blake? So they go out the window, and he says that, you know, all his sales are in Chicago, but his lab is in Wisconsin. So he's talking about Lake Michigan. Outside the window, you know, they, they're, they're on the ground, and Loki and Mobius, right? And so they start running. Robert Barron comes up. He's like, he's mine, rat bags. And Mobius is like, it's like, go ahead. And Loki's like, I beg your pardon. He unleashes a blast. I think he knocks out like the two guys with him and Robert starts run, Robert Baron starts running and he's like, take him. He's all yours. So they start running through like the house shacks and you know, like it's just like a maze practically. And as they head off, of course, uh, timely had like a hiding spot for them. Like, you know, there's like a false front, like a hidden compartment in the corner of a building. So when they, but then when they come out, they just leave it like the, the door on the, on the ground. It's like, whatever. So they, they go on a boat. Like it's like a big ship. And as they sail across um, Lake Michigan, Renslayer asks, like, what's his latest invention that's so important? And he's like, the key to understanding and manipulating time. And he pulls out his book. There's, like, lots of writing and stuff in it. He's like, this is where I keep everything I've ever imagined, all my designs. And she's like, that looks impressive. And he's like, it's a TVA guidebook. Perhaps you recognize it? It was delivered to me when I was a child, dropped into my life by some divine hand. I never f found out who, and she's just like, doesn't say anything. Just a little slight smile. And he's like, you? And she's like, yes, Miss, Miss Minute scoffs. She, and Renslayer's like, I brought it to you. And then Miss Minute's like, you brought it to him the way a postman brings a post. We both know whose plan it was. And he's like, well, who's 
whoever it was, I thank you. This book has defined the course of my life. I like to think of it as a correspondence between myself and the visionary author, Ouroboros. And he, he turns to, uh, to the second last page. Here, this is the most important discovery I've made yet. It's a throughput multiplier. It could help with your loom. I always knew my ideas were good. I just didn't have the technology to make them really work. So she comments how, you know, the city looks beautiful. And he gives her like a flower made from paper, I think, or something like that. And she says that she's starting to see the man that he'll become. And he kind of like touches her fingers or whatever, like, like he's about to hold her hand. And he says that he appreciates that. Ravona. And she says that you know, she has high hopes for this partnership. But then he kind of, I think that kind of put him off because then he kind of like lets go of her, of her hand. Then later, while she's, she's sleeping, and she's like in a lifeboat, it just like drops down into water. She like wakes up with a start. And on the ship, you can see like Ms. Minutes is like sitting next to him. And she's like, you heard her, Victor, partnership. You had to do it. And she chuckles, bye. So Ravona puts the oars under like the hook things in the boat. She starts rowing after the ship. Then they reach his lab. Miss Minutes pops out of like the temp pad and he like welcomes her. He's like, it'll just be a minute. And he starts to gather things. And she's like, oh, you're so much like him. Look at all your amazing work. I'm so happy to be here. He starts, he starts, he picks up this like orb thing. And he's like, this is a culmination of my life's work. And he like puts it in a satchel. Then Miss Minutes says that, um, you know, he's always been so smart and he says that he's like, okay, I'm ready. And then she's like, now what's the rush? He's like, don't we have to get to the TBA? And she's like, I was thinking it might be smart to lay low for a while. We made quite the ruckus back there. You know, for a moment, I was worried that you wouldn't come with me, that you liked Ravona better than me. And then she changes back from her like kind of black and white because she was trying to look old timey, I guess. So she's back to her, like a brownish, orangish clock color and she's like is there a sketch of me in that journal of yours he's like uh, not yet but I, I I'm sure there will be when you first created me long before the TVA or a multi multiversal war I was just a simple AI just something to play chess with but you knew I could be more for you so you gave me autonomy to write my own programming I was allowed to have wants and follow whims and, and become who I am. And still, each night we played chess and talked. He's like, a loyal f f friend. More than friends. The war, the TVA, the eons after. I alone was by your side. There was one whim you never allowed me. Why didn't you allow me a real body? He's like, well, th th that, he, he stutters a lot. Th that wasn't me. If I had a body... We could truly lead together. He's like, yes, that's something I don't know how to do. You never even tried. With all your powers and all your abilities, you just kept me as your thing, your computer, your toy, instead of what I could have been, your girl. And she was standing by like some mannequins or whatever. She kind of like wraps her head around the head of one. And then she's like, Victor, what are you doing? And she like rushes towards him because he's reaching for the temp pad. And she's like, we could be a team. And then he like zaps her inside. And he's standing there for a second. He's like, oh dear. And then Renslayer arrives. So I guess she's, I don't know if she had the address. Somehow she knew where to go. And she's like, lover's tiff? And he's like, thank God you're here. Things were getting strange. But then she pulls out, out this like big rifle 
pruner things. So at first I was like, where'd she get that from? But I guess it was one of his inventions because he's like, he's like, oh, that, that thing's unstable or something like that. And he's like, clearly I made a mistake leaving you behind. And she's like, save it. I was entrusted with this mission by he who remains, not his variant. So from now on, I'm the one in charge. And she's like, zaps one of the mannequin and just like dissolves. Are we clear? And he's like, as a bell, Ravona, Miss Renslayer. Then Loki and Mobius bust in. So somehow they knew. Also, maybe they detected, I don't know, the a tempad, I don't know. Mobius like, no, no. And he, Loki's like, step away from him. We need him. And she's like, move any closer. And he's done. And Mobius like, stop, Vaughn. He's like, what are you doing? Is this the free will that you were looking for? Lynn's like, look at me. You have lost your way. And she's like, Mobius, you really are unbelievable. How dare you lecture me? He's like, I'm not lecturing. I'm pleading. And she's like, after all those years of doing your dirty work? But it's like, what dirty work? It's like, cleaning up your messes, making the hard decisions you never had the nerve to make. After all the times I put the TVA above myself, even at the cost of my own happiness, my humanity, who are you to lecture me about losing my way? And then he whispers, he's like, look, we've all lost our way, but someone has to keep track of the big picture here. And she waves like the pruner thing closer, Victor, and he's like, Ugh. and she's like, you have no idea what it takes to lead, to act, to keep order. Did you happen to notice the second I left, everything crumbled, which is like, I did. that's not the reason why. So like, get over yourself. She's like, I'm the only one who can bring stability to the TVA because that's what I've been doing. Thanklessly for eons. When will you learn that none of your words mean a thing? All that matters is order versus chaos. I'm order. And then you hear, no, Sylvie unleashes like a big green, you know, blast that knocks everyone down. Like he knocks the table over and everything like that. Then she pulls out her blade and Loki's like, you know, struggling to get up. Sylvie approaches Victor. He's on the floor and he's like, please, I, I haven't done anything. And she's like, oh, you will. You'll do terrible things. And he's like, that isn't me. That you don't know me. You don't know the heart, the, the heart that I have beating in my chest. I, I can make my own choices. And Loki Mobius are on her feet now and they're just like, you know, just standing there, like, and, you know, what do they do? He's like, I'm not the man you think I am. And she's, you know, she's looking at him, and then she sighs, and she's like, get him out of here. Mobius opens up a time door. He tells Victor, he's like, walk through. He kind of hesitates and then goes through. Mobius and Loki, like, walk. They go past Sylvie to go to the door. And Sylvie's like, don't make me regret this. And then she looks at Renslayer, leave her to me. So Loki goes through the door. Uh, Mobius takes a moment, he looks back at Ravona, and she kind of glares at him, then he goes through the door. Then Sylvie's like, here we are. And Ravona, she's like, I suppose I've been a box you've been wanting to tick for a long time. And Sylvie like turns the blade around, slams Ravona in the gut with like the butt, the hilt of the blade. Ravona's like, if you're going to kill me, just do it. And Sylvie's like, oh no, I've killed you a thousand times in my mind, each time more brutal than the last. It's crippling, that kind of obsession. I'm starting to realize that. It's power for you, isn't it? That's what you want. A seat at the end of time? Well, be careful what you wish for. She hits the device on her wrist. A time door opens up behind Ravona, and Sylvie kicks her through it, and then she closes it right away. So then we see Ravona lands at the, the end of time. Uh, the, the place is in shambles. He who remains, his body's still in the chair. He's like dead. and But unfortunately, she still has her temp pad. Because she grabbed it off off the table after you know when when she showed up, 
and Miss Minutes pops out, love you. And she's like, darn. So she was in the middle of talking. She sees the body. I should have known. And Ravonna's like, I had him under control until you sabotaged me, made a fool of us. And Miss Minutes like, well, it was foolish of him to try to make an enemy out of someone who knows all his secrets. I know a really big one about you. I could tell you, but... And Ravonna's like, but what? It's going to make you real angry. And that's the end. So I don't know what the secret could be. Is it the secret that she had a life before? Because you know, I do wonder when she says, you know, she's been ruling for eons, but she's like, she hasn't been ruling for eons. So I wonder if time is just different for them. Did they think that they, uh, I don't know. But that was uh, interesting. So yeah, we'll see where, where this goes. Because, uh, you know, they're, they're going to bring this Victor Timely back to the TVA. Can he be trusted? Because he's not he who remains. So we'll see. All right. Now the movie feature is Killers of the Flower Moon. So this was the Martin Scorsese movie, and there's a it it stars Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio, um, Robert De Niro, but there's other people in here. I didn't realize uh, some of the, some of the other people like Brendan Fraser was was in there like later in the movie, and John Lithgow. Uh, so you know there, there's a, a lot of people. Uh, Lily Gladstone, um, she's a, you know big big role in here. It's based on, it's so it's like a true story, and it's based off the book. Uh, it's, which is interesting. I had never heard of the book, but apparently, uh, <laughs> the students at my school have been reading it. I just wasn't wasn't aware. And uh, like a few weeks ago, one of my my students, I had the book, and now I, I was I was like, oh, I'm going to see that movie in, in a few weeks. I had bought my ticket, and the students like, don't. <laughs> so she wasn't super crazy about the book. So the movie, it's Martin Scorsese. You know, I got I got deep respect for the guy. You know, he he's a brilliant filmmaker. I, I, I'm not super crazy about what he's been saying lately. You know, and it's, it just seems like I get, I totally get it. I totally understand. But there's just a lot of people that are complaining about, you know, the, the like the, the comic book movies, the Marvel movies, franchise movies. So it's not, and it's not just superhero movies. It's like, you know, the Saw movies, the screen movies, how, you know, just a lot of what we have in theaters tend to be franchises and sequels. But it's the same thing with video games. I, I remember, you know, when I was deeper, you know, associated, you know, or, or adjacent to the video game industry when I was working next to, you know, Giant Bomb guys or the, the GameSpot, you know, people where most of the games were just sequels and their franchises. Like no one wanted to make something new. And there's obviously there's, it's it makes sense because when you're trying to sell something okay well what can you do try to sell something completely new where no one knows anything about it no one's invested in it or do a you know resident evil 17 which i know it's not that that high or, you know grand theft auto whatever you know so it makes sense where people it's it's of something that they're familiar with they know what they're going to get even if it's more of the same there's that familiarity and and you know I even kind of go with it with like Star Wars and and you know I say well if you're gonna make a Star Wars movie in some other corner of the galaxy or some other time period where we don't have Luke or any of his friends or anyone associated in that era, you know my thing is well why am I gonna care about these characters? And I'm not saying that I won't, but you have to sell me on them, and it's it's harder versus. If you make a movie like, well, here is, you know, 
Ray, who was trained by, you know, spent some time with Luke or his kid or his grandkid, you know, whatever, anything like that, where there's still association. And with the, the last Star Wars trilogy, which I, and I know I shouldn't be talking about this now, but there was still a connection. And for me, I would have been, I, I, I even thought that was a perfect thing. And I've, I know I've said this a gazillion times where, you know, I kind of thought of it, it's, it could be like a passing of the, of the, the, the guards passing the baton or whatever introduce these new people and then they're so loosely connected to the previous thing and then you can go that's a great way to introduce new characters to make me care because there's some loose association versus if let's here's a movie a thousand years in the past i'm like okay what makes this interesting and i think the same thing goes with with hollywood when you're going to movies you know it's like why why try something new it's it's like is it going to be any good now this isn't necessarily true because you look at okay what were some of the big movies this year you know we had barbie barbie's something new it's not a franchise yes it's built based off of of concept you know so you have that but see for me it's not like oh i want to see this movie because it's based off these dolls i mean i could care less about that but for me it was more who i was involved you know margot robbie and ryan gosling just everyone in there so that that sold me you look at oppenheimer not a franchise um, so, you know, you can kind of, I mean, that, that would probably be the, the better thing is, is comparing Oppenheimer to Killers of the Flower Moon because it's, it's something historical uh, with Oppenheimer. You know, it's, and, and even both of them, you look at it, like you got these great filmmakers, you know, Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese, you got great casts, and you makes it something compelling. That being said, I, I feel like, so even though Oppenheimer was a long movie, Killers of the Flower Moon just felt longer. And, and I think there's something about just the pacing and the storytelling and with killers of the flower moon you know you were you were kind of locked in more to like a single location just an area and it just felt like there wasn't as much variety so even though you might go from this town you know this house to this farmstead or whatever and it just it felt like it moved a lot slower one thing that that's kind of surprising and i and now i feel like i'm just jumping all over the place this movie had a $200 million budget. That seems crazy. It's like, where did that cost? Why? And and I look at the creator, which I talked about a few weeks ago, that had an $80 million budget. And maybe because the creator had more, maybe there's just way more CG involved. See, I always thought CG was like expensive to do, but maybe... Maybe actually filming on location and doing practical, you know, doing sets and stages or whatever and, you know, actual vehicles versus in the creator. Maybe it's like, oh, this is a spaceship or space car or flying vehicle. That's all fake. You know, we can just do that. But it just seems crazy, (laughs) you know, when you think about it, that the creator is like this futuristic world and, you know, going to the moon almost you know, just like rocket ships and just robots with like not even complete heads and gears moving in their heads, just like all this stuff and just a different location, quote unquote locations we went to with robots running. And it was like more than half the, the, the cost of this movie. I, I mean, I don't know if like Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio had bigger salaries, you know, requirements, maybe, you know, they, they're, you know, beloved in the industry, whatever you want to say, you know, they they have a high price tag, which is to be expected. Maybe they, they would 
make some sort of deal because you know they're buddies with Robert and, or with uh, Martin Scorsese and you know the the I don't know. It just it, to me it's it seems crazy that that's that's a that's really really big. And um, as of now, it looks like the budget might be at or the, the box office might be nine point four. Um, that that seems crazy. And Apple TV put up some of the money too for for this, so it'll stream on there. But man, I I I don't know. So, the, what's the story about? It, you know, it's um, we have the the Osage um, Indian tribe, and basically, there's oil on their land, so they end up becoming like really rich. There's like all this wealth in the Indian community, but so one of the weird thing is because of the way the law works that they have to have um, someone that kind of they, they have to have someone appointed to him like a guardian to manage their money even though it's their money that that seems seems kind of crazy because like you see them going to the bank where you know they want some money to go to the doctor do this and the, the bank manager's like well I, you know i think that's that's a bit much i don't know if he's but it's like dude it's it's their money it's, it just seems weird how, how that would work and what's what's going on here is we're starting to see like different people different members of the indian community getting killed and, and dying and and it starts off where like there's no investigation because there there's lots of comments how i think someone said like you know you, you'd have more of an investigation if a dog got kicked or something like that which is just insulting so there are some moments like that that make you feel a little uncomfortable and it should because it, it's not okay it's just the way they talk or they they treat you know people and it just that just it irritates me so much how someone can feel that they're superior to someone else. It's like you are all human beings. We're all human beings. And you think you're better than someone just because the color of your skin or whatever. And that the fact that, you know, they have all the money and it's like the white dudes that are like driving them around and, you know, just like being their servants, their maids and and it's just it's r- ridiculous. So what it, it kind of boils down to where the deaths are starting to basically do away with people who would inherit the money with this, you know, with, with all that, it, this isn't like a murder mystery when you, you go into it, you know, because it starts off, you see a bunch of people are, are, you know, dying or getting killed or whatever. And as, as movie goes, it's like, it's pretty obvious who's involved and you know you don't know the full extent of certain things until like later you see some like someone somewhere you're like oh wait they're they're they are actually there too involved with this and but it's 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 weird that you know this is such a long movie and it's it's telling a story and I don't want to criticize the choice of that but I you know part of me I wonder is like did it need to be that long it was never like super dragging, like where I was like falling asleep and, and, you know, sometimes I, I, I start to nod off a little bit in movies and it has nothing to do with, with the, the movie itself. It's just from not getting enough sleep and then working all day. But, you know, it's, it's not like the movie was putting me to sleep or anything. I, I think I'm pretty sure I managed to stay awake through the whole thing. It's just, I, I feel like, it didn't need to be that long. So it's, it's hard, hard for me to, to make that, that statement because when you look at the scenery and everything, just the whole production, everything that went into making this film, it's like, you really appreciate what they did. And you know, it does feel like they went back in that era and, you know, captured everything. 
Um, is there any moments where maybe there was like a Starbucks coffee left off? So, you know, I didn't really catch that, and but I also wasn't necessarily looking for that. So it was weird. It's like I was immersed in the movie, but I wasn't really thinking, oh, this is a production set back in this time, you know, in 1918 uh, or whatever it was. I, I never really, really thought about that, which I, is a good thing because I, I feel like when people purposely try to look for things and just are being super nitpicky, it's, it's, it's like, why are you doing that? You're just taking the fun out your, and the enjoyment from yourself because like you're trying to find something to tear it, tear it down. So I never really thought about this. That's, that's a good thing that I didn't really think. It's like, wow, they actually created this world, this environment to, to do that. It is impressive, you know, that they, they can do all that. And especially these, these days, it's like, how do you find an area that isn't all, you know, modernized? And, and they actually filmed it in Oklahoma. And, you know, that, that helped. And yeah, that could be a part of the cost. You know, I, I was, I was reading something about with the, the, the cost of, you know, what are filming in, in Oklahoma. Cause my understanding is, you know, there are certain places where you get tax breaks. Like I know Georgia does that. I think does Jersey do that? Does Jersey give tax breaks? And this is also why a lot of like TV series go to Vancouver or whatever, because it, it's cheaper to film there. You know, there, there's different things and maybe, you know, you have to get licenses or regular, I don't know what it is. Like if you wanted to film in Chicago, you know, you're probably gonna have to pay, maybe you're paying to close off the streets and have you know police watch traffic and you know stuff like that i don't i don't know so maybe some of the costs went into filming in oklahoma but i think they're kind of looking at it as hey hey maybe we should reconsider and you know have more stuff filmed here i don't know i could be totally wrong i i thought i saw something about that so the movie that, you know, it's it's a well done movie because you know I've had a lot of people you know since I saw it they're like well how was it and I'm like it's it's very long is that a good or bad thing and I know some people make the comment well you know people will sit and binge watch an entire series so why can't they sit through three and a half hours you know that's like the James Cameron uh, thinking but still when you're binging a series you can pause it anytime you want. You can pause it every 20 minutes if you want. You can pause it, go to the bathroom. You can pause it, go make yourself a, you know, a three-course meal if you want it. So it's not like you're, you're locked in there because when you're sitting in a theater, you don't want to get up. And some people, you know, they can't sit three hours without going to the bathroom. You know, it just depends on your bladder or whatever. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I think there's something to be said about that. And when I'm looking at this, you know, the Taylor Swift Swift movie was two hours. I think it was two hours and 48. That's what I, I, I keep saying. To me, that was more exciting than this. And I don't know if that's that's bad for, it makes me look bad for saying that. But this movie, there's just some parts where it's slow. And again, I don't mean to diminish anything in the production or the acting. It just, it was just kind of slow at times. But that being said, also, I can appreciate the fact that all this stuff was included because I'm more for, you know, when, when people complain about movies being too long, uh, you know, when something starts getting close to three hours or two and a half hours, you know, a lot of time people would be like, oh, they could have cut 20 minutes out of this. But I'm, I look at it, and this is more so when you're looking at the franchise movies and stuff like that. I want those movies to be, you know, if or Marvel movies, or Star Wars, whatever. I want those movies to be as long as possible because it's going to be two, three, you know, a couple years until we see these characters, the next part of the story. So I want to get as much out of it as possible. 
And you can kind of say the same thing here. You know, when you're looking at these performances and the stories, you know, you don't want to just, uh, you know, gloss over certain parts. You want to see everything. But so, yeah, I, I'm I'm really torn with how I feel. It's like, should it have been shorter? Could should they have cut anything? I don't know. Because, you know, I, I, I like what they did. You know, they they did a good job. But it's just, there. I'm sure there are some parts that it could have been trimmed down. So, I, I don't know. And and like I said, it's not like you're on the edge of your seat. It's not like a her, her cool, pre, whatever, the Agatha Christie guy. It's not like you're wondering, okay, who did it? What's, what's going on? You know. And I, I guess it also depends on how well you know your history. Like, you know, did you read this book or have to read this book where, you know, if you know what's, what's going on, you're seeing it play out. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you watch the historic, historical movies and you know where, you know, where everything is going to end. So it was a fine movie, but also at the same time, is like, am I going to rush off and see it again anytime soon? No. If I had the opportunity and the time, I, you know, I'd go see Taylor Swift again. Um, I would, what, what else have I seen recently? Like I would, I would see the creator again, uh, you know, but that was a way shorter movie. Uh, but you know, with that, I, I feel like with like the creator, there's so much more that you could have missed, you know, and there's other things that would be interesting to see again, this, you know, whatever. But with this, you know, it's, it's a well done story or, you know, well produced and made and directed and all that. But you know, and maybe like seeing it a second time, you're like, oh, I didn't notice the the angle of the shot or the sun setting or this, or that or whatever. But yeah, so it, it was it was a good movie. It's, it's just very long and slow. It's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, it, it's not meant to be action packed. You know, it's, it's not the Expendables 5, which I was not a good movie. So there you go. I mean, it's 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 not a a Hollywood blockbuster action packed movie. That is absolutely not what this is. So don't think it is. This is a historical you know drama, and you know it's it's a it's an important story. It's it's an unfortunate story, and and you know maybe that's if anything that's a good thing. Let's shed some light on this because you know there are people that probably don't aren't aware of this. It, you know this stuff happened, and this it just really turns my stomach to think about like some, some of these people that like this just the stuff that they did and just how easily and when like people are confessing to things i'm just like what the heck it's like how can you just sit there and uh, yeah it's just it's not, not it just get, leaves you with such a bleh feeling and it's it's i think that's a good thing because we you know people should be aware of that so go see it be prepared is it worth seeing on a big screen? I mean, I would say it kind of is just to see the environment and everything. I mean, it's 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 so amazing that you know, the fact that you know, we we still have places like that. So that's my advice. Um, if you can handle three hours, three and a half hours, but <laughs> there's time. I kind of glanced at my phone. I was like, I've just been here for a little over an hour. Or there's there or at one point, it's like, okay, there's still an hour left. All right, I can do this. But it was also, it was like late on a Thursday when I saw it. And it's like knowing I have to, you know, get home. And it's like, oh, I didn't have dinner. And then I got to, you know, wake up tomorrow. And so there you go. Flowers of the Killer Moon. Well done movie. It's just, it's not the typical movie that I talk about on here. And that, you know, I'm not trying to 
knock myself down saying that, you know, whatever it takes a certain, it's just, it's something different. It's just very long. So be prepared for that. Uh, I would say, see, I would say I liked Oppenheimer better, which is a more important movie. There are some things that are more important with this movie that's worth seeing. So uh, they're just different things. So see it if you, if you can appreciate the history and the performances and all that and just know it's not going to be like a, a CGI movie you know there there's something and there it is important to support stuff like this as well so there you go that was Flowers of the Killer Moon and that is also this week's podcast so big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck any amount you can commit to will be awesome if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week I'm currently talking about X-Men The Hidden Years a John Byrne comic so you can hear all about that and, you know, sometimes talk about movies, sometimes I do like off of mind topics and I, I, I'm itching to do one of those, but it's just finding the right one. Like what would someone want to hear about? So I, that, that's why I always hesitate with that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is going to be on next week? So next week's movie feature is going to be Five Nights at Freddy's. And I, I'm 99% sure. I'm pre, I think this is opening in theaters and on Peacock. I don't know if that's a good idea. I, I, I think they should maybe at least wait a week or two. But to do them like... Because, I mean, the, the movie, I don't, I don't know if people are necessarily going to be like standing out you know over camping out to get tickets to see the movie um i'm kind of curious i played the game a tiny bit and uh surprisingly yes i have played played the game in, in vr and uh, yeah it's not not fun it is fun but it's not fun so i am curious um and you know willie's w- wonderland is that the movie in the cage movie very similar which i i love that movie even though i know it was kind of like a Five Nights at Freddy's ripoff. So I, I do want to see that, and I am going to see it in the theaters because, you know, I, I want that experience. I love going to the movies. I love sitting in a, in a big theater, seeing the big screen and the sound system. I encourage you to do that as well, you know, because some people might be like, oh, I can just watch it at home on Peacock. But it's, it's just, I don't know, it's just not the same. And, you know, even when I watch stuff at home, you know, it, it's not like I can get the, the house as that dark, you know, even if I close, I guess I could, if I close, you know, it, it just would be hard to, to capture that same energy. So I don't know. I, I think you should see it in the theater. Is it going to be a great movie? <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. I could be surprised. So that's the thing I'm, I'm going into it. I'm knowing it's, it's, it's may, may not be a great movie, but I think it's close to two hours long. So that, that that's a little encouraging because if it was only like 90 minutes i'd be like hmm they're just kind of going in and out you know as, as fast as they can so hopefully it'll, it'll be good um also what starts this week is uh 30 monedas 30 coins i'm so glad that show is coming back um i hope it's good so that was a it's on on it was a, i was gonna say it's on hbo max it was on hbo max hbo hbo max it's on max now uh watch the first season if you haven't 
it's it's subtitled. It's in Spanish. It's, I think it's it's from Spain. The the movie was made, and it's just it's kind of kind of a freaky movie. So it has to do with the thirty coins, like in you know, Judas, you know, for betraying Jesus and all that. But the, but the, the coins are kind of cursed or whatever, and there's like just it's demon entities and stuff like that. It's just a, a freaky show, and um, I, I'm I'm so glad it's it's coming back. I I just really enjoyed that, so I recommend that. Watched uh, and I, I talked about the first season on this podcast, so pr- I think pr- what you should be able to do if you're like, wait, I want to. What happened in the last episode? I don't remember. If you, you could go to entertainmentfish.com, I, sh- I should probably like check this, but I probably tagged 30 monet or 30 coins in there. So if you go to the search 30 coins, I'm doing this right now as I speak, and it looks like the last one the last episode see 30 coins episode 107 was there only seven episodes so um episode 181 was the last one but i just went to the search on entertainmentfish.com hit 30 coins and then because i this this can't be right oh continue so yeah you can uh wait uh, maybe i didn't tag all of them anyways it's a good show so that's coming up. Uh, I don't remember if anything else uh, is, is coming. Um, so we'll have you know more Rick and Morty. We'll have the se- mid-season finale of Chucky. We'll have more Loki. And um, I feel like more stuff is coming. I don't think there's anything else this week. I could be wrong. So that is going to be it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you more than you know. Uh, more than words. <laughs> so thank you. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. I hope you're taking care of others. And I hope you remember, be good to each other. Bye.